0: It's another episode of Glitch Free Gaming. It's episode number 100 and Hooray! <laughs> we don't do
1: redoes on intros here.
0: Yeah. We never no, have. That... We're not going to fucking no. start now. Exactly. Yes, but it's, uh, it's a new way of counting. It's the Mike Decimal system. <laughs> so you get 100, then you get 100, 200. Created and you get 100, famous... 200,
1: 300. Created by the famous inventor, Mike Decimal. That's correct.
0: Yes. <laughs> so we are back after a a couple of weeks. hiatus. I think we took uh, one or two just uh, because of all sorts of weird and wonderful things happening. Um, Paul has been replaced. Um, we have got a new replacement. We will be referring to him as Paul. Um, uh, he used to go by the name Nathan, but he is now Paul. So how are you doing, Paul?
2: I'm good. Um, I'd also like to say that Paul's a much nicer name than Nathan, so I'd like to
0: refer (laughs) refer to his family from now on. So, uh, yes, Paul's away uh, doing odd jobs and bits and bobs this week, and so Nathan is joining us this week, and we also have the editor of GlitchFreeGaming.com, the editor-in-chief, Supreme. Um, He makes me say that, otherwise uh, he beats me up if I don't. Uh, It's Ben. Ben, how are you doing? Yes, good. Thank you excellent so we have got a hell of a lot to get through this week uh we've all been playing lots of games since uh the last time we recorded so let's dive in and talk about a whole load of those um kieran do you want to start us off and give us an update of yakuza 6 uh
1: yeah uh i finished yakuza 6 which uh happened a bit faster than i thought it would it was maybe a bit oh, right, shorter okay. than I thought it was going to be, but I really enjoyed pretty much everything the story in that game did. Um, I know Nathan's finished it as well. Um, I don't know. Did you enjoy the story as much as I did, Nathan?
2: Yeah, I think the I think the story was great. Um, having played all of the Yakuza's except five now, I think like it was kind of an emotional journey for me. I got to the final few chapters and I was like, fuck, I don't really want this to end right now.
0: Yeah,
1: because so, yeah. the, the different build up has been like, this is this is going to be Kiryu's last game. The dude that's been the main character in all the games. And, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and you get towards the end and they start kind of setting up stuff to be like, this is his last game, motherfuckers. He doesn't give <laughs> a shit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's the thing that I, I mentioned like last time we talked about Yakuza on this podcast that. I feel like Yakuza 6, just overall, like in general, it kind of feels almost like they wrote it in a way that feels like Kiryu, Kiryu knows that he's in a game. Like they've, they take it from like the, I've only played Zero and Kiwami before, but in those games, Kiryu, like, will beat up a bunch of dudes, but no one really references it at all, and he doesn't really reference it at all. It's just like, this: you're in a video game, that's what happens. In Yaxus X, you'll beat up like 20 guys and someone will come up and be like, oh my God, you beat up 20 guys. Or do you go into an area, <laughs> you go into an encounter and it's like, just before this thing happens, Kyrie's like, I'm going to go and meet this guy. And someone else comes up and goes, I'm coming with you. And everyone's like, you can't take him. He's going to shoot the guy that you're going to meet. Like, he said as much. And Kuri's like, he won't shoot him. Because I won't let him. And it's like what <laughs> how are you how are you gonna stuff him like you're not taking a gun with you you don't really use guns very much and it's like i'll i'll do it i'm cure you motherfucker and it's like okay uh, sure i think
2: especially because you've only played zero um kiwami and six so you've kind of missed like the mid the middle yeah. story where so you've seen where he was kind of like a cocksure kind of like young adult um like beginning in the yakuza to his like early days to he's basically he's basically batman
1: yeah <laughs> so, like they're literally just... like Batman. Like, there's points where they're like <laughs> it would be real terrible if you killed someone kyu and i'm sitting there like this dude's been the yakuza for six games now and he's never killed anyone it's <laughs> definitely not accurate
2: <laughs> yeah see I, i've always kind of taken the canon of yakuza to be whenever you go for a loading screen into a fight you're in like you're in kill delusion illusion where he's beating people <laughs> to death with motorcycles, but they at the end they're just clutching their rib like Ah, that was a that was a strong punch you gave me there.
1: Or you literally <laughs> shoot down a helicopter or in uh in zero, you there's a whole like fucking car chase where you're like setting that you're leaning out the side of a car gunning people down that are coming and cars beside you. And it's like <laughs> and then it's just like Q.U. doesn't kill people. It's like he killed at least like thirty people on that highway. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Like, I think between
2: uh, Majima, who's a, who's another kind of love character in Q.U., they pretty much murdered half of Kumarocho, Like just just off screen, but you know they just count it as a, just just a light mm-hmm.
1: dusting down in that game. Didn't if you out.
2: don't if you don't die in a cut scene, you're you're pretty much you're pretty much okay.
1: And sometimes even if you do, you're probably <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> it's still very soap opera-esque. Especially this one, I think, because this one goes out of its way to stay away from the core like gang warfare kind of thing. that You know, the, like the mafia, different uh, portions of the mafia vying for control against each other until towards the end. Most of that game is... Like That's happening in the game, make sure you know that's happening, but every time someone tries to pull you into it, Kira's just like, no, no, I'm trying to find the dad of this baby. And it's like, but there's going to be a war, like a gang war that's going to basically kill, lots of people who are bystanders are going to get caught in the middle and Kira's like, I need to find the father of this baby. I'm busy. (laughs) I'm not getting involved.
2: Yeah, he's definitely in his like Danny Glover rigs and Murtaugh stage of like I'm, I'm too old for this shit. I'm just <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to find this baby's father. <laughs> it's like, like you just know throughout the game inevitably he's just gonna it's just they're gonna collide and just cross paths and well, what well, when they when they do it just ends in spectacular fashion.
1: Yeah, and again it almost um, feels like the character's written in a way that he knows that it's all especially it's like. You know, eventually that happens. Eventually, he has to get involved in you know the actual yakuza business, and you know it's going to get there. And the way that he reacts to it and stuff is treated as though he knew it was going to get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just it's such a well-written game. Like the story's all really good, and I like the the combat in that game a lot. Uh, I don't think it has as much depth as Zero did, but I think that's because Zero was built on an engine that had been used for a couple of games already Whereas... yeah I, I,
2: I, I kind of feel like the the combat is it's kind of evolved and both progressed at the same time because you don't have as many options but it is just really really fun and even the kind of quirks of it that like clearly you can see it's the the first time they've really dealt with hardcore physics in this (laughs) industry so (laughs) i just used to i I took pleasure of just walking down the street into into motorcycles, just walking and just sending them flying with my kneecaps you know they just they just kind of like dialed everything up to 11 and they just left it on it was like fuck it we know we know what you guys came here for you came to enjoy this and yeah
1: and it's like they keep they keep an open world they keep like lining up bikes in a way that you can do the thing of oh i hit the one at the end and then like dominoes they all fell over (laughs) except for like half the time the physics breaks with the last one that flies into the sky and you're like (laughs) all right fine it
2: yeah i I think the yeah as you said the length is shorter than the other ones but i think i still by the time i by the time i'd like uh, finished it, it said I'd clocked 39 hours, which is short for a Yakuza game, but that's still a lot of
1: goddamn time. Yeah, uh, I don't think mine was that high, but then also I've been playing more side stuff since I finished it, so I'll probably get there.
2: I did a lot of that weird RTS kind of side mode where you're building the kind of... um, You're basically build, building a hooligan gang.
1: Is... <laughs> they call it the clan creator. Yeah. <laughs> which is a very, uh, I guess non-western term for that <laughs> <laughs> probably wouldn't call it that here no, um, no but yeah, that that's actually quite good I've not, I only kind of delved into that once I finished the game but yeah, the, the clan creator is like you're recruiting people to join your kind of clan in the Yakuza and you're making a little gang to take out a bigger gang called Justice which is <laughs> all said in English spelled incorrectly and is comprised entirely of uh new Absolutely. japan world wrestlers yeah. <laughs> that they've like face scanned and stuff like that which is a nice little addition I guess um but yeah the actual mode itself is this weird RTS mode where you're kind of just or I've found at least most of the time I'm just like spamming buttons to keep bringing more people in constantly but,
3: yeah yeah okay
2: I would say it gets it gets more involved towards the end but you know if you cheese it and like build up the right characters you just <laughs> you just basically become un- unstoppable mm-hmm. although like it it does really try and rub a band and take you out but you can get through it
3: yeah
1: i'm going to play more about this thing like it has been since i finished it, it has been the game that i go back to when you know i just want to turn my brain off and punch some dudes or do like a really light rts thing and don't want to actually think about what i'm playing too much or pay attention to a story yeah Uh, did
2: you did you complete the main the main
1: uh story piece the internet cafe i did not the internet (laughs) cafe i did the first mission of it the internet cafe is where you can go and uh talk to cam girls on the internet no, sure. and they have actual live record well not live record they have actual recordings of real japanese cam girls that, like they do this in every game every game they have some kind of weird porn thing in it like some weird softcore porno thing in it like zero was uh because it was set in the 80s it was vhs's of <laughs> uh of porn but it was like VHSs that you had to go watch in like a, the back room of a porn shop. It was right. bizarre. because the sex is like I'm going go to go this internet cafe and do this porno, and it's a mini game. It's like a rhythm mini game. Oh God. Where you're like hitting a bunch of you're tapping a bunch of buttons to type, basically. Right. And Curio, they really drive home the curious as an old man who doesn't know how to use the internet <laughs> thing. Because for stars, he types just using his index fingers. Okay. Right. <laughs> And then also, like, the stuff he writes is hilarious and just so dumb.
2: It's like, what I love about it is just, like, you've, having played through most of the games, or even the amount of games that you have, Kieran, like, half the series, Mm -hmm. you know that he's quite, like, a a stoic character, he's very straight-less, he's always the straight man, pretty much. And then you just go into this side mode where it's just like you've got pretty much the, the Yakuza Batman typing boobs with his <laughs> index fingers to a to a lady in a chat room. I'm just like, this game is insane. It has it all. This is ridiculous. Yeah,
1: it's really good. And, you know, it's only a few months until we get to play another new Yakuza game.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're in for a treat. That's one, of, that's one of the best ones story-wise. Yeah, that's what I've heard.
1: Yeah, the next one that's coming out is Kiwami 2, which is a remake of Yakuza 2. Right. Which all I really know about it is that you punch a tiger at one point.
2: You do. You do punch a tiger.
1: <laughs> that's literally all I know about that game. look forward to it. Um, but, in other games... Uh, Mike, you've been playing Brave Dungeon and Dark Witch Story on the Switch?
0: Yes, I have, yeah. What so is that it, game? It was one of the games that I, I first seen it when I picked up my switch uh, was last year sometime and it is two games in one which about <clears throat> is about as much as I knew about it and it looked like a weird cross between half of it was a dungeon crawler and the other half was some sort of card game so I would kind of thought there that's that's for me i could go with one of those and it went on sale recently and i think i picked it up for about six pound or something yeah it wasn't mine. yeah so it is in fact two games so the brave dungeon is it's part of a, a series uh i think called brave dungeon uh and it is just what it is it's a, a dungeon crawler And the way that it plays is you've got a a hero and she shows up in this town and she wants to, she's a treasure hunter. Uh, You pick two sidekicks to go with you and you go through, I think it's six dungeons there is. Uh, I'll tell you now because I have it with me. One, two, three, four, five different dungeons. Uh, Each of them has various levels of them uh and you know when you when you start off you're not very powered up so you have to do a little bit of grinding you maybe do the first dungeon uh a couple of times to get experience get money so that you can buy things you also want to kill enemies because when you kill enemies you level up you get experience points level up uh higher the level the stronger you are it's not rocket science. It's a very, very simple dungeon crawler. It's so
1: what's the combat stuff like? Is it
0: like a top down kind of dungeon crawler or is it kinda
1: of uh, one? So
0: it's a top down so when you're in the dungeon it's top down and you're basically walking through a labyrinth and it lights up the first time you're in it everything's black. And uh as you go through it, you know, the path lights up, it illuminates so you can see everything there. Um, and you can backtrack if you need to. You At one point, you'll see the only thing you might see in a pitch black screen is these little glowing heads, and they indicate that there's an enemy there. Once you walk into the little glowing head, then you're taken to a battle. The battle then switches to old-school JRPG. Uh, on the left-hand side, you've got you and your companions and your enemies on the right-hand side. Turn-based combat. uh you know yeah yeah uh for the money that i paid for it, absolutely fantastic i've played i think i'm about seven or eight hours now i've completed all the dungeons and all the levels that there is there's then a super secret hard dungeon that shows up uh and it does something really cool which i'm not going to tell you about on the podcast (laughs) um it is actually very smart it's something we've seen before but in the context of this it's quite smart and what they've done uh you can also play through the game again on a you know new games new game plus so they've taken that from other games as well uh and there is a choice of six different heroes so you know you you build a team of three um there's yourself that never changes and then a team of two, so you can have you know different combinations of all of those. Uh, brilliant little game, very good. I think it was, I don't know if it was a mobile game at any point in Japan or something like that, but it does feel like that, you know, it's quite light. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also one of those that you can just because it's got the grinding element to it, yeah. you know, and you after you've been through one of the dungeons, you can go through again, and that's. That's fine. Um, Really enjoyed that. Played a hell of a lot of that. The second part of it, which is the dark Witches story combat, is a card game, which I know nothing about because the idea was, the one that I really fancied when I bought the game was the the card combat game. And I thought, I'll just have a look. I'll try the the dungeon crawl because it says to get a rough idea of the characters and the kind of world, this is where you should start. Did you get a
1: good idea of the characters in the world?
0: Um you're playing (laughs) you're playing a witch who wears a tight bodice and she's got ample bosoms and she carries she runs about with a sigh See, this is how you first started off this pitch (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, um and she's got blue hair oh yeah definitely yeah uh yeah there's the the story is you've come to this place called newport and there's dungeons in there and you're a treasure hunter that's it (laughs) so i don't know why they insist that you played this one first um yeah uh, yeah it's it's good Uh, if it's still on sale now which I think it might be I would definitely suggest picking it up or if you've got uh, the loyalty points on your Switch pick pick it up that way as well Uh, but yeah I was very pleasantly surprised I thought I was only going to play it for a little while and then dump it but uh, I did not so it's been very good Um, Ben you have been doing what you normally Play a lot of heavy games, so why don't you tell us all about some Pillars of Eternity?
4: Pillars of Eternity Two, yes, Um, which is obviously the new one, not the first one. Uh, I played the first one whenever it came out, which was ages ago. Um, It the first one was published by Paradox which was kind of one of the reasons why I looked at it because I quite enjoyed most of Paradox Interactive Games. Uh Um, And, well, as a kind of side note, uh, PDXCon was on last weekend, which is Paradox's kind of annual con. Mm -hmm. Um, So a a lot of Paradox games are on sale at the moment and a lot of announcements, which we'll come to later. But The Pillars of Eternity 2 was not actually published by Paradox this time. It was published by Versus Evil. Still developed by the same guys, Obs- Obsidian 1. Obsidian is the reason you... that
1: I was interested in this because yeah, like, those guys make some good RPGs.
4: Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't tend to play a lot of RPGs um, but I, I did really enjoy Pillars, the first one. I didn't finish it because I never finish any game.
1: Um, <laughs> Can't relate to that. I finish every game I play.
4: Yeah.
2: Preacher. <laughs> every game. <laughs> I mean I finished no games. That's that's what I'm saying. Preach, not not. <laughs>
4: not,
1: not lying through your teeth like I am.
4: Yes, yeah. And yeah. yeah. um, anyway, so the first one had you kind of end up in charge of a fort Castle type place. Kid Noah, that's what it was called. Um, the second one picks up with pretty much the destruction of that and of yourself um, but the whole belief system in pillars was this uh, ideology of the wheel where everybody dies and everyone is reborn again mm-hmm. so that kind of leads perfectly for character generation in a new game so your character dies you're brought back to life by the gods uh, and it allows you to set up a set up a new character. One thing it does keep though is if you've got a save game from the first pillars, you import that when you start a new campaign, and all your choices have an effect in pillars two, which is which is quite quite a nice wee touch. That's cool. If you don't have a save game, then you can either well. well I didn't have my save game because I think I've upgraded my PC since I played the first one, Um, but I was able to go into the settings and create a kind of lineage by deciding what happened in each event that it was looking for. Um, Like I said, I didn't finish the game, so there was a couple of them, like, uh, I don't know. I didn't do that, so I just picked something random.
1: How how did they present that stuff? Is it just like, here's a list of things? Because Obsidian also made uh, Tyranny between these two games and the whole the whole intro to tyranny is basically that. Even though it's not a sequel to anything, it is like a good right. five ten minutes of we're telling you the story at the start of you know the, the setup for this world, and also you're making decisions that choose what your character yeah. is.
4: Yeah. And um, yeah, that's kind of it's kind of what it is as well. There's there's certain events, and it says can you, what can you tell us about this event? And you pick some from multiple choices of what you know the outcomes could have been. And then there's the uh, characters of interest and you're like, oh, um, I convinced them to go and do something or I killed them or I never met them. And you make all those choices and they have a quite a profound effect on the game. I was streaming it when I first played it and literally went through the character generation and in the introduction. And you start off on a boat and someone was watching my stream and they're like, you don't have someone sitting in that chair. Every stream I've watched so far, someone's been sitting in that chair. And I was like, well, I guess I killed them last time or something. And so, yeah, so it takes you away from, you had the whole kind of base management thing with with the keep in the first one. But the second one is set out in what's called the Dead Fire Archipelago, uh, and most of the time you're sailing around in a ship. So rather than keep management, you've got ship management in uh, Pleasant Twenty Two, which is fun. It's you know it's not quite Assassin's Creed Black Flag ship fun, but <laughs> it's uh, it's not bad. Uh, you you get to alongside your party that you will always have with you, you get to hire extra crew to run the ship and you can upgrade cannons and the ship itself, sails and so forth. Uh, And there is ship combat as well, which is done really interesting uh, for an RPG. Obviously the main combat in of Eternity is kind of turn-based or kind of pause pause and play.
1: Yeah, kind of like the... Old Baldur's Gate games and stuff like yeah that, that was kind of what the first Pillars Tower was kind of marketed as is like we're making a new Baldur's Gate game but without the licenses
4: yeah yeah spiritual successor sort of thing yeah
1: and
4: um, so the ship the ship based combat is is like is proper turn based um and it's it's not done on a map it's not done graphically at all it's just kind of uh, presented to you in the book format that all the kind of cutscenes are presented. All right. Um, and you get to pick like one of seven or eight choices of what you want to do on your turn so you can either speed the ship up, stay the current pace, turn left right or complete about turn and then if you're in range and facing the right direction you can uh, fire the cannons or if you're properly at close range then you can go for ramming speed or you can attempt to board
3: and mm-hmm.
4: um, and the only, the only indication of the other ship is a uh, kind of symbol of your ship at the bottom of the screen, and it shows you which direction you're going in, and it shows you which direction the other ship is going in relative, and then the distance between you. So you're not having to worry about, oh, well, if I go ahead, then I'm actually going away from them. If I go ahead, I'm always going closer to them
1: feels like such a strange way to handle that Like it seems so different from what you would kind of expect most kind of combat stuff to be
4: it is and it's it's abstracted it and it's abstracted it in a good way I think um, it does make it a bit it's not easier but it's you know you don't have to think so much about uh, manoeuvring
1: yeah it think makes it, it a bit more of like it, it It makes you not have to waste all of your time on it from the sounds of it which you know Mm -hmm. a lot of kind of side parts of games like that could end up becoming
4: yep yeah exactly um the first the first time i did it i was like okay this is quite cool and i got the other ship down to like pretty low health and then i was like right stuff i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna board them and that was probably a bad idea because i got absolutely pasted when I, when I boarded the other ship, even though I'd, I'd hammered the ship almost to bits, when I went to board them, their crew was actually stronger than mine. So I I had to kind of reload the game several times just to <laughs> overcome this crew. So uh, I've not ships, actually... Sorry?
2: With the ships, um, is it, are, they, are the ships kind of like
4: leveled or is, do you kind of like equal footing... Yeah, the first the first ship I came across was at least kind of equal to the one I had, um. But you can upgrade your ships through the game, uh, and also upgrade the cannons. And there's a whole variety of different types of cannons, so you can go for like long range guns or short range that do more damage, sort of thing, depending on how you want to how you want to fight the sea. Okay, cool. And um, there may or may not also be. A ship crewed by the undead that appears out of clouds of fog of course that you definitely don't want to get involved with but you're probably going to have to get involved with at some point are you sure this isn't assassin's creed pirate <laughs> <laughs> or pirates of the caribbean
1: <laughs> yeah or any pirate game yeah no yeah. there's a massive amount of pirate games no
4: there's definitely a, a dearth of pirate no, games no, I... in
1: the industry
4: Um. But yeah, that, that, that side of it's quite cool. Uh, in terms of the actual, the main core of the game, I've been playing for about 30 hours, and I still feel as if I haven't scratched the surface. So I have yeah. kind of got to the first big kind of city, which has multiple areas to it, which I've been exploring for quite a while. I have a problem with side quests
1: yeah that's i played like probably five or six hours of tyranny because i bought it a few weeks ago and i've like the world map and that has a bunch of cities outside of an area that i'm unable to leave at the moment which i assume you go to later but i'm just sitting here like six hours in like this is a pretty big game yeah i presume i get to go to those other places too fuck that's a lot (laughs) I've heard yeah. Tyranny's is quite short for that type of game. Is it? Maybe, game. maybe then, maybe those things in the map are just kind of there to be like, maybe in the next game. <laughs> I've
2: heard that you could probably mainline the story in twenty. All right, never no further in it than I thought it was then. Yeah. But I, I think it's
1: one of those games where you can get lost in the side quest, like yeah. literally actually Oh, so, yeah. I kind of like yeah. the, what Obsidian's doing at the moment, where they are doing this kind of. Hey, let's make kind of old Baldur's Gate style games because that's what people want from us. But we'll make weird twists on them. Either you're you know captaining a ship and building up this ship, or tyranny's whole thing is like you're on the side of bad and you're kind of making decisions to decide how evil the evil guys are. Um, so it's kind of cool that they're not just they're not just going straight ahead and making you know another Baldur's Gate or another yeah. whatever.
2: I I kind of wonder how some of the the kind of fans of the first game are reacting to the fact that it kind of pulls a Mass Effect 2 and makes you destroy and recreate your character from, from the start again. Because I know the appeal of a lot of those old CRPG-style games is the fact that, you know... Um, you could continue using your character, and also they became quite legendary. I mean, so when you reincarnate, yeah. does it bring any reference to your character? Does your does your
4: character oh, yeah. know
2: who they are? Or? Every,
4: well, everyone knows who you are, still, oh, okay. Even though you've been reincarnated, because you're a you're a watcher, they call it, and you basically can read people's souls and uh, memories. And um, but everyone, I'm not quite sure what it is, but everybody knows a watcher when they see a watcher okay cool so it kind of
2: it kind of still fulfills that power fantasy without basically copying baldurs
4: gate that's pretty cool yeah that's
2: good
4: um, yeah having a lot of fun with that like like you said with the map like the world map when you're sailing is huge and i've, I've visited three islands and I, like i've come to the first one which is the main i mean kind of city but there's so much more to explore, so I think I'll be I think I'll be playing with that for quite some time to come. Cool. I am keeping. Well, going back to what we're saying about paradox, Kieran. You bought a game, <laughs> and they didn't tell me about it, and then told me about it, so I bought it too. Yeah, so
1: I picked up Battletech because uh, on Amazon had it. I think it still has it for a tenner for the deluxe edition, Mm -hmm. which is a good 10, 15 quid cheaper than everywhere else has it, and I don't know why it's that cheap there. I thought it was a misprice because it went out of stock for a while, but then they put it back on sale again. (laughs) So, I don't know. Um, So that
4: time, you told me about it.
1: Yeah, that's what I told you about the I second time. To... <laughs> the first time I thought you already had it, and I was like, "Oh, whatever." And I put it in the chat that uh, just Mike and Paul were in, and I was like, I, "You know, Ben probably already has it. Maybe he's seen this." And then, <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. But um, I've only played through like the first mission of that so far, um, and the character creator, which you know takes quite a while because character creator you've
4: got to take your time. It uh, does the same sort of thing, though. It it kind of gives you options on your backstory.
1: It does, yeah. It's got like a big paragraph text that's like,
4: oh, you were doing,
1: or you were born into a noble family until, and you lived a really nice life up until, and it's like a selection of things. And it's like, you were exiled for doing something bad, or your family all died, or you, yeah. blah, 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 blah. And uh, you get to choose all those things to build up your character. And it'll be like, you get plus one tactics if you choose this. And I'm sitting there like, I don't know what that means. Yeah. No, <laughs> none of this makes any sense to me. I'm going to pick the one that sounds the coolest. Um and then you get to make your character with one of the weirdest character creators I've ever seen because it's clearly 3D models, but they're like it like pre-renders them and you have like you can position them in the kind of frame of where their kind of portrait's going to be. But you only can choose it's got a slider for like how they're positioned and it switches between them then like renders it and then puts them there again rather than being like this is clearly a 3d model and you're running on unity yeah why does this not just move the model why does this have to stop and render it again every time it's bizarre um just change the material character. yeah yeah it's like you can change all this stuff and it's weird um time-made character which took me far too long. You can randomly generate names if you want. Uh, a nice little touch that's been kind of brought up in our places before is you have not. You've got like non-binary choices for gender, which is nice mm-hmm. and something more games should probably have. So you can choose, you know, male characters, female characters, or you can just say you say he, she, or them. Is basically the options you yeah. have. Um, which is good, and. Then I play through a tutorial of that, which kind of gets you, gets you into like the core mechanics of that game, uh, which is hey, it's a tactics game where you know you can move. It's not like it's kind of a grid. It's, it doesn't show the grid, but it shows like mm. little points you can move to. But it's basically a grid, um, and you're moving mechs around a kind of battlefield and using the terrain. Using terrain to your advantage seems like kind of a big deal, like. first the first map at least wasn't very flat so there's a lot of you know using high ground to get better aim and you can use you can like kind of height there's no like cover mechanic but if you're standing behind a big rock you're not going to get hit by something because it needs to be a really big rock because you're in a fucking mech so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's gonna be a real big rock and then um things like if you shoot your weapons when you're choosing so you choose your target when you're going to aim a weapon and then you can turn different weapons on and off. So you can be like, I'm just going to fire everything I'll shoot all my lasers, all my missiles and stuff, which is kind of what it defaults to. Or you can turn them on and off piecemeal and just be like, I just want to use these lasers or just these missiles. And that's mainly because everything has a, a heat cost. And so if you use everything, you're going to build up a lot of heat and then overheat and you'll like... I forget exactly what happens. I think you move slower and you take more damage and stuff like that. Or you could like cause damage to your mech if you overheat too much. Yeah. And so you go stand in the river and cool down. Like you would do, I guess. Um But yeah, I really like it so far. Um it's it looks really nice as well. Like all the mechs are like really cool looking. And the levels and stuff are all really good looking. So I'm looking forward to playing more of it. I just need to set and kind of hammer away at Did you play much more than that, Ben, or have you...
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I literally bought it last night. Yeah. Uh, but I played it, I played a bunch of it last night, and then I played some more of it at lunchtime today at work. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm a... I've done... I've gone maybe two missions past that tutorial mission. Okay. Um, like, like you were saying about the fact you can turn the weapons off when you're firing, they, they also kind of show you the percentage chance of hitting. Oh, cool. So when, when you're going to take a shot and like your weapon says oh, it's maybe only got 45% chance of hitting, then you might as well turn it off to save the heat rather than wasting a shot, yeah. essentially. Yeah, exactly. um, there's another thing that some of the mechs can do, which is the multi-shot thing, which I had had no idea how yeah. to make that work, uh, so I was doing it wrong for ages, and I had to actually go and Google it <laughs> to find out how to do it. Um, but if you multi-shot... Then you select up to three targets, and then when you click the toggle on the weapons, it cycles through those targets and turning off. So you basically pick up to three targets, and then you can pick which weapons fire at which target. That's cool. Oh, which is it's quite cool when you've got maybe a couple, of, a couple of the smaller vehicles to shoot at, or yeah, you know some mechs that are low on health, and you maybe kill more than one at a time. Yeah,
1: it's also got like a bunch of really interesting and like weirdly complex i guess it's not well it's not that complex but it's more complex than other games like mechanics around uh like when you're is for each mech yeah because yeah it's got it's got an initiative yeah kind of Everything has an initiative and right. in like bigger mechs will be slower and they'll start later blah 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 Yes. Yeah. not always necessarily true and you can kind of change when you start because you can do other things to adjust that
4: yeah and it's yeah because you can if you if you damage a certain part of a mech, then their initiative lowers and stuff like that as well. Yeah,
1: but also like I guess kind of like how initiative works in like Dungeon Dragon stuff. You can kind of, yeah. which makes sense because it's based on a um, a war game and like yeah a board game. Um, yeah. like you can kind of wait to some degree and be like, I'm going to take my turn when this other mech's taking their turn. So you can kind of choose the order you're doing stuff in sometimes. Yeah, um, which might be advantageous at times.
4: Yeah, I do like that. I like, you know, it's it's different from other kind of turn-based strategy like XCOM, where you plan out your entire squad's moves. Yeah, and then the other player does the same. I, I quite like that. It's kind of it's not necessarily turnabout because you might have two back to back. Yeah,
1: it's not. People. Yeah, it's not always. I do feel like the way most of these games tend to work is like. Either it's yeah, the XCOM style of you move your entire squad and then the other squad moves. Or uh like where a lot of other tactics games would work where it's like I'm gonna move and then they're gonna move and then I'm gonna move. Yeah. And then they're gonna move. Yeah. yeah, no, I,
4: I like that. I, I also like um I've only just got to it, but in between missions, once once you're into the actual campaign, there's a whole management side of, of the mix. Of upgrading them getting rewards from the battles uh going out commission for repairs and stuff like that as well mm-hmm. um also the first mission that you go on in the campaign the world is called Ur Crunia, which is a scottish gaelic word which right. literally translates to new world so i like that came up at lunchtime and i was like oh that's cool that's cool even though the developers are from like seattle Oh,
1: cool! Yeah. Well, I don't know where the original game came from. To be fair, like it's, yeah, it's all steeped deep in the lore of BattleTech, which is ancient at this point. Yeah, I suppose. Um, yeah, so I assume that's probably a place that was in there, um, or a term at least that was used in it, if nothing else.
3: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to playing more, but I'm I'm enjoying it. I just need to find some time
4: to sink into it. Yeah, we'll need we need to fire up multiplayer as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, the one thing i've been told repeatedly by people about the game is and i've not got far enough to really understand why but i assume it's just to do with salvaging parts and stuff is to try and disable mechs rather than destroy them or like yeah. preserve serve as many pieces of them as possible because it's like oh you'll yeah. be able to sell that stuff or use that stuff later and it's like okay
4: yeah i uh, from from watching a couple of streams as well there's like a there's a system where you get to pick like the first Three things that you want to keep from the battlefield, and then you'll get like half of what's left. Okay. So you get to kind of uh, sort of choose what you want and risk not getting other things, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think it's quite
1: nice. Yeah, it sounds quite smart. I bet it gets insanely difficult later on. Probably. It seems like that kind of game. I mean, I failed the tutorial
4: mission at least once.
1: How did you fail the tutorial mission? <laughs>
4: um, I've put one of the guy up front and he just got hammered by everything okay <laughs> fair um yeah i didn't do that
1: um nathan you've been playing some laser league and you won't go you won't stop going on about it outside of the podcast so this is your chance
2: oh it's absolutely terrible okay <laughs> That's it, we're, we're short <laughs> no it's a. Um so i actually happened upon this game by chance um oddly enough it I, well it's not oddly enough we we all knew this would happen i subscribed to xbox game pass and i never cancelled so i've just right. had it rolling each month and i turned it on and i was like oh i've been paying seven quid for this each month i better check what i have to offer <laughs> and i saw a little game called lazy league i was like okay this looks interesting so i delved into it and it's actually really, really fun. Um, it's, kind of, it's kind of scratching the itch for me that Rocket League was before everyone got good at Rocket League and I've I remained mediocre. Right. So I'm, I'm at a point with uh, Rocket League that I can, I'm can. i kind of past the point of no return. Like, I can never go back and play that game unless I'm playing with a bunch of friends or against friends because everyone just hammers me and it's just no longer fun. Yeah. But um, Laser League is just essentially... It's a arcade. It's an arcade-style multiplayer game where you can play two, B two or three, three versus three. Uh, it's kind of set in a. It's set in a future where this laser league is like kind of the main sport. It's, it's essentially Tron, but you don't have you don't have um you don't leave a trail behind you. There's specific nodes across the arena that you have to hit, and uh, you you play as a you play as a set well you have different colored teams and you have to activate the lasers and essentially smash or knock the other team into them to to win a round and it's best two out of three but there's no weapons like uh, guns or bombs so you have different classes and this is where the kind of like really fun play uh, comes into it cuz I was playing with a a friend and he was playing as one of the classes the blade which has an attack where you can just straight up kill one of the other players and i was playing as a, a shot character where um i have a I have a power that can basically knock a knock one of the enemy characters down so that a laser can basically rotate and hit into them so we at first we kind of went to this we kind of went to the games just tried to uh, get a feel for it. and We got absolutely hammered, but then we really started playing off each other's strengths, where we would essentially split up and start activating. No, so the the opposing team would go after us. Um, we'd activate, and then I would shock him, and then he'd come in and stab him. Mm-hmm. And it's got like it. So it kind of reminds me of Rocky League in that sense, where eventually everybody has their own strengths and weaknesses that they can they can play on and and you can kind of build tactics off that and it's it's quite it's quite good that all the you have but i think there's about 12 or 15 arenas and essentially they have these nodes placed in different places and it can all of them kind of react differently so you might have one level where the nodes are constantly moving in like a zigzag pattern so once you activate a node it creates like a laser and, and it could do anything like it could rotate or it could create like a big line so the the idea is to kind of activate as many nodes as possible while kind of like attacking the other team and trying not to get hit and each node activates after like kind of a cycle so it's a constant battle of basically trying to zone control while also um using your powers to kind of bait the other team into making a mistake so you can do a power play and win at the same time there's like loads of power-ups that you can obtain that can really change the flow of the game. So, for example, you can get a reverse reverse laser that suddenly changes the directions of them. So if you're really not careful, not watching what's happening on, on the arena, you can quickly lose a round. Uh, also, some of the other classes, like all of the classes play very differently. Like you've, you've got a ghost class that can actually... Um, run through an activated laser and then turn it into their team's laser mm-hmm. as well uh, as another class that couldn't uh, another class that can do non-lethal smashes so it can basically punch you halfway across the arena so it's really it's it's quite fun but you've really got you really gotta kind of like pay attention to the strengths and weaknesses of your class and it's just really addictive it's kind of fast paced but at the same time, it's fun and has a level of complexity that you could really, really get into. And I've just been really enjoying that. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's does fun. Yeah. Not go bad, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get me. So I, I, I take it that this is... the What they've done with this is the same they did with the the pirate game. It's a new game, but if you join their... the Games with Live or whatever the fuck they call it the subscription you get it for nothing
2: yeah see it's 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 not a microsoft based game i think it's done by oh who are the guys that did ollie ollie is it roll seven
1: yeah roll seven yeah, yeah
2: yeah yeah so it's it's basically roll 7 that i've done it um but yeah it's just been i suppose they just let microsoft use it in game pass yeah. to
1: there's a decent amount you know, of stuff on game pass, It's not just microsoft stuff
2: yeah, like you get a lot, a lot of third-party stuff, but it doesn't stay on as long. I think yeah. this is on it for about a year, it seems, which is yeah. enough time.
1: All right. Yeah, Microsoft but, stuff is supposedly supposed to be permanent on there. But yeah. Like, so my, They haven't removed anything yet, at least.
2: Yeah, I think all first-party games are going to remain permanent, so stuff like State of Decay 2, but third-party games kind of licensed for a while. Um, Funny enough, I went to... Because I was enjoying it so much on the Xbox, but I I had no one on there to play, and Kieran wouldn't buy it. (laughs) I went went looking to to buy it to purchase it on Steam because I was, as I said, I had a friendly word to play it with. I I managed to convince someone, luckily, Uh, and then I I looked and I I already owned it, and it turned out it was one of the Humble Bundle games like two months ago. (laughs) All right. So the only system I don't see to own it on yet is the PS4.
0: And the Switch, because it doesn't exist in the Switch yet.
2: Oh man, if it came out on the Switch I would definitely triple dip. It's great. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely fun.
1: Oh. I don't think they've said it's come to the Switch. Not yet.
2: I don't really do. It's it's a really nice looking game as well. Yeah. It's just it's just it it just hits all all my favourite colour kind of checkboxes like arcade based, colourful futuristic yet tacky looking and it looks <laughs> like fun. that's like that's uh, yeah, enjoyable
1: cool, cool. Um, Nathan do you want to go through more stuff because you've got the largest list of games here <laughs> like, Jesus Christ yes yeah <laughs> do you want to tell us about minute yeah um in a minute, in a minute. cool oh
2: okay well <laughs> <laughs> essentially minute is a kind of it's kind of like a, a really really interesting lampoon of games like uh legend of zelda links awakening or link to the past in that it's a kind of top-down 3d adventure game where you play as a it's a cute you know, it's an unnamed character who's really cute looking, looks kind of like a, a duck um, who who exits his home and finds a cursed sword, which causes him to die every 60 seconds. So, so the aim of the game is to, to kind of rid yourself of this curse while completing tasks with the knowledge that you know you're going to die in 60 seconds. So everything's kind of like, you get mini, mini tasks like kill these five crabs or Go talk to this person. And uh, when when you die, you basically go back to your home. As you progress through the game and you kind of unlock stuff, you can find other locations that uh, serve as a respawn point. So it's it's like a really, really fast-paced kind of uh, link to the past style game in that when, when you play it for about half an hour, you feel like you've done Essentially, like half of the stuff you would have done in Link, <laughs> Link to the Past, in, like eight to ten hours, because you go through mini dungeons. Um, you you even have a few, a few kind of joke achievements where you end up talking to this guy who re- he speaks really slow. Everything he says is really long and deliberate, and the timer's going down at the same time. <laughs> so it's just like it's it's kind of it, it's kind of got like the, it's got the the fun. It's basically. Everything you like in adventure games, kind of packed into uh, a really compact um, package with with a silly kind of plot and and silly adventures that doesn't take itself too seriously. And it's just it's it's nice you can get in and out, and it's very addictive.
1: It kind of sounds like a almost like Zelda ish version of Half Minute Hero. Yeah. Oh yeah,
2: that's a really good description. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mainly because like you when you describe the someone talking so long that it drives the timer down, like that exact same thing happens in Half Minute Hero as well. There's definitely oh, a bit yeah. in that game where someone keeps talking until you die. And it's like, oh well. Oops. No,
2: that is the perfect description of it. It is literally linked to the Past meets half Minute Hero. And it's 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 fun and also it's got a nice visual style. It's kind of um it's kind of monochrome like the old Game Boy games. And it's, funny enough, it, the the actual screen resolution is 4.3, so even though I was playing it on my PC, it, I just felt like I was playing, like, a really upscaled Game Boy game. It's got a really kind of nice look to it, and there's loads of little just secrets and just mini quests to find. It's just a joy to play.
1: Cool. Yeah. Hey, it sounds really, really good. I really, really want to play that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, do you want to tell us about Lost Future Omega?
0: Yes, yeah, so this is, the best way to describe this is a cross between Res, Space Harrier, Outrun, right. and, uh, yeah, it's, I like uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, in. <laughs> it is
1: uh The Witcher Three, <laughs> the Witcher 3 Dragon yeah. Age
3: and yeah, Resident Evil. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: it's uh kinda like a, a bullet hill a bullet hell game. Yeah. Uh where you're flying this little spaceship across the screen and the enemies come flying towards you like Space Harrier. Um graphic wise the style is kind of the the block way that res was and it's also got its base in music uh so what happens is it plays along you know you're going along and you're fighting the the beasties and shooting them and there's a bass track that plays while you're doing this um then when you fire your weapons your weapons might be the you know just your cannon might be the snare drum And your homing lasers might be uh, like a a sound effect, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, like a dance music sound effect. And when you fire these weapons, it adds to the song and it creates this song. Um, Each uh, section of the level doesn't take too long. Once you defeat, there's a boss that shows up and you you shoot the boss, uh, he dies, and then (laughs) you pick your track so this is a bit like the where the outrun comparison comes in because you can go path a or path b um and it all you end up on a different you know the, the last level of the game is different depending on what path you took cool. and the the music changes slightly ah uh, just a very neat little game that's cool what's uh, that one
1: is that the switch game or the, is it... it's on the
0: switch so it's not too expensive as well. I picked it up when it first came out, and I think they were doing the, you know, buy it now and get a 10% discount on it. Yeah, I've noticed that have
1: um, done that quite a lot. So
0: yeah, so it comes with a normal mode. So the normal mode is you, you go as far as you can, and uh, it's basically one shot, one kill. If you get hit by an enemy bullet, that's you, you're done. Um, then they have the... Okiraku, I've probably just horribly (laughs) maimed that, but they have that mode. And it's basically, um, you're invincible. It's God mode. So you go through and you basically experience the entire game, picking the path that you want, and just going on this journey with the music and um, the vibration and the controller. So the vibration is, I'm going to see if we can actually get you to hear some of this uh this is going to be weird for the podcast so we'll try this and we'll start it up uh and i'll see if it gets going no it's not strong enough to actually uh, vibrate on the table i thought the vibration but i've turned it down but it's got a basic it it, the the controllers vibrate in term in time with the the baseline of the song so you you know you've got that happening as well that was uh, Res tried that with the oh what was it they called it oh the um it had a really bad name it, yeah it came
1: with a fucking vibrator um, yes
3: it, yeah <laughs> what?
1: Rez, yeah it, um, it was like the trans yeah. the trans vibrator trans vibrate that was and then for the VR one they made a full suit like, it, was a full, <laughs> it was it was like a full they only made like two of them or something but they're like yeah. it's like a full suit that like vibrates all over. It was yeah. partly real cool, but you know Yeah it's so bizarre.
0: So um but LFO or Lost Lost Future Omega. It comes with another mode as well, which I'm not too sure what it does yet because to unlock it I need I either need to play normal mode and complete it. Um so in other words do I think there's five levels in it and get through without uh, taking a single bullet damage, or I can play the god mode and I need to play that for an hour. And then it will unlock. All right. Um, just a neat little game.
1: Yes, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Uh, it's. I've been kind of playing quite a lot of uh, rhythm action games at the moment, and this kind of, you know, the because uh, I seen the trailer for it when I was uh, scouring the the coming soon section of the Switch, and for the price that it was, I thought that's worth worth a look. seeing the video of it, mm. and I wasn't expecting it to To be what it was and to be as good as what it is. and I think that's a really cool thing at the moment. You have to admit the amount of indie stuff that's coming out in the Switch. And it's good, decent stuff as well, even sometimes if it's just a poor of a good mobile game.
1: Yeah, definitely. So good yeah, stuff.
0: yeah, the library's growing rather quickly and it, there's a lot of good stuff on there as well. But uh, yeah, so that was that. It was just a a nice, quick little game that I would picked up, uh, and I'm just looking to see what we've got to talk about next. Uh, Nathan, you've been playing something called Monster Prom. Is this one of your uh, Japanese specials again?
2: <laughs> yeah, you guys should have really vetted this list. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. No, Spelva
2: no,
1: Yeah, had to read that one. More.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, monster Prom is it's an odd one. It's kind of like a it's like a send up of dating sims, except you play as a you play as a kind of uh, there's a selection of um, monster characters you can play with and you just pick one and it's essentially a few weeks before the Monster Prom and you got to basically get a date for it. Um, Earlier on, you were talking about in BattleTech that you that you basically have um, non-binary gender pronouns. Um, this game also uh, uses them as well, so you can be he, she, or they. That's cool, which is pretty cool. Um, but essentially, it's it's just a, it's kind of like a send up of visual novels where where you try you're trying to get a date, and it's there's a set number of weeks, so you can play like a short game, which is half an hour, or a full game, which is about sixty minutes. And to be honest, I had not got a date once. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it is pretty tough. It's 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 kind of cool. So it's actually similar to uh to kind of like a a like like um Biovisec like that there's a lot of kind of events and events and paths that you can buy, and it it unlocks uh, different different kind of scenarios. So. When the game starts out, you pick a you pick a character, and then you answer a few questions. And uh, based on the question, based on the way you answer the questions, it kind of gives you a nudge into who who might be a good monster date for you based on based on your um your answers. And so the setup is then you you basically choose a location. So it might be like the bathroom or the. <laughs> Outside or where where you basically want to hang at that point of the the day, usually the bath. And
1: you get, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, if you're rebellious and cool, like you, like um, <laughs> you you might hang out in the bathroom. But each of the monsters you can date, which I think there's like four guys and four girls, and you can basically date who you want. There's no like um, there's no kind of like sexual orientation line. So you can be a man and date a man, be a woman be a date a woman, non-binary and date whoever you want. There's like so it's not like oh these options are locked off if you if you're a man or a woman or you choose non binary, which is pretty cool. So you you kind of like based on your answers, you kind of gauge where your char- where the character you want to date is going to be. So for example, I tried dating um the kind of princess monster character who likes to be really charming. So I kept going to the auditorium because I know she does a lot of plays. And I kept trying to gear my answers towards uh, what she likes uh, like in in being charming. But you get multiple, you get multiple choice questions, like you know, like a, an event where something may happen. <laughs> Just like in a, a normal dating sim, it set it puts a really kooky monster twist on it. So, for example, I bought a book that was essentially the monster prom version of Twilight, which is called like Dragon. Dragon something, and um, so I bought it. And the girl I wanted to date saw that I would, that well, basically that I had a copy. And she was like, "What's your favorite cop? Uh, what's your favorite storyline?" I like the one where this the the swift prince charming horseman takes the main character away and has their way with him And then <laughs> the answers <laughs> the answers are quite kooky and weird. So sometimes it's a bit hard to gauge what um, what you should say. So I chose, like, the contro- the, the controversial, like, Fuckmaster 5000 <laughs> st- <laughs> storyline. And basically, she's like, uh, she, she was quite disgusted. And she was basically like, wow, you're really like a tryhard, aren't you? So <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's quite cool in that um, it basically plays with all the tropes of dating sims because I fell right to the trap of trying to answer to impress my date and just humiliating myself just like in real life. And, uh, That's pretty good. Uh, if you also once a week you get a chance to sit with who you want at the, at like the lunch table during the, like during l- lunch. So if you sit with your date, you get a chance to kind of um, build up rapport with them. But if you choose one of the other characters, you also get a chance to build up your other stats. So every event you do uh, can have po- positive or negative effects on your stats. So if you if you choose the wrong option, your charm and your fun might go down. But if you if you uh, choose the right option, conversely, they'll go up. And there's just there's so there's so much to it, and it's like so multi layered. It's just that I've I've played it for about four or five hours, and I've still not won a single game. Um, and I haven't even gone online yet. There's a there's a multiplayer mode, it's supposed to mainly be a multiplayer game. And I've just been tra- kind of like trying to to train to go online, but apparently, when you do go online, you're all competing for whoever you want to date. So there'll be like up to four of you at the same time. But apparently, if you if someone else chooses a location, you sorry, you go you get a turn order. So you might be last to go, and if someone decides to go to one of the locations like the bathroom or outdoors, then you can't pick it that turn. So online you really it seems like you really you really kind of have to play towards the strength of each scenario it's just it's just like a really a really cool game and it's it just really plays with all the tropes of uh, dating sims and in a way
1: that it's funny. It's that's funny and that's yeah I'm looking at the website for it just now I really like all the artwork for it it looks real nice yeah what four players competitive dating sim yeah <laughs> <laughs> And also, I, um, a thing that might sell anyone listening that hasn't been sold on it yet, is that the website for the game is monsterprom.pizza, which pizza.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a competitive multiplayer dating sim, but I am not competitive at the so I have not gotten <laughs> into the multiplayer <laughs> component.
1: That's fair. I might end up picking this one up, but I think i want to see how the multiplayer works like multiplayer for a dating sim seems like not a thing so see i i took a
2: i took a, a look because i wasn't brave enough to go in but it seems almost like not a board game but it, it's like imagine a visual novel where you all you know like normally in in a single player during a certain time of day like you might go to the cafeteria yeah you might go shopping if someone, if someone else who's gone before you picks a location, then you can't go there. But on each each um, additional turn, I think the turns are... Like, your turn order changes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everyone gets a chance to go first and go where they want. And apparently there's, like, um, extra weekend events where you can potentially uh, fuck with another player's chances or just boost your own. So it sounds like they... Like there's a lot of additional layers in there in the multiplayer.
1: Yeah. It kinda of sounds yeah. like the multiplayer probably works similar to um did you ever play The Yog? No. It was like I think it was originally like an Xbox Live indie game to start with, but it was uh it, it was a similar thing, basically it was a multiplayer game about uh it wasn't a dating sim but it was about like the end of the world. But you're pre- preparing this fantasy kingdom and your characters for surviving the end of the world and it's just it was torn based and it's like this year you're going to do a thing, and you pick, like, I'm going to go to the arena and train, or I'm going to go to the tavern and just get drunk for a year. And once someone, like, it was turn-based again, so when one person chose a thing, like, you couldn't all go to the pub and get drunk, you couldn't all go to the arena and get buff, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um,
2: yeah. I was going to, um, one thing I probably didn't kind of glossed over is that all of the characters are vastly different, even the way that I seem to be getting furthest with the kind of a uh, drug addicted ghost, because <laughs> like, and then there's also a, a kind of like rotating shopkeeper who, if you go to to buy stuff, it kind of takes one of your turns, but you can go sit with them at the lunch table to to um buy stuff as well, which which won't negate one of your turns. But so, for example, with that drug addicted ghost, like she, I, I got really high in her affections, and it. She kind of said, "Well, if you want to go to Monster Prom with me." You know, you gotta, you 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 gotta know how to do this sexual move, and it's like <laughs> it, it's like it had a weird name, something like oh, no, like the the mountain cannonball or something crazy like that, and like your character is just like I have no I have no idea what this is. So you take a look online. It's like it seems like I need cocaine and some green goo, and like both both for like um, stuff that the shopkeeper sells. Unfortunately, I couldn't afford it because I spent all my time like wooing her so then i got to the end of the monster prom and she was like no you're a loser so i, get, I went to the monster prom by myself and had fun apparently well oh. <laughs> it's quite good like um apparently there's like 22 endings as well um and like every time you every time you get a summary it, it, it shows how many events you've unlocked and it seems to be a couple of thousand so i was like jesus christ man if you know there's a there's a lot of game to sift through if you really want to get into it that's real
1: good good. (laughs) this is cool i might end up picking that one up it's like my kind of thing
2: yeah
1: it's one of those things like i feel like we mentioned about pretty much any genre at this point but i kind of like that visual novels became like kind of sleazy crappy japanese visual novels for the most part became very popular over the past few years but as a result we've got a lot of really good parody ones that have been really good so like and not and not always just parodies but just like you know different takes on it like more a lot of times more western takes but also there's a lot of good japanese ones obviously but you know i think we got like um uh doki doki Literature club which is bizarre and great uh that what was the bird one I oh aviary! Oh
2: no, Hattoful boyfriend.
1: Aviary Boy- attorney as well, which was more of a <laughs> aviary attorney. I almost backed that one on Kickstarter. but That's um, uh, Phoenix Wright clone, yeah. but with bards for all the characters, yeah. which is
2: great. Did you did you ever complete the main storyline of Hattoful boyfriend?
1: I did not. I heard it gets uh, even weirder.
2: Yeah, that, it gets really fucking weird. But yeah. <laughs> I got to the end of that that first scenario then it, it got really weird and dark in a way that I didn't think a dating sim about pigeons could. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I was like... It really... It, and it was that... The, the thing about it is actually interesting as well. It's I think it's called like Bad Boys Club or something like that. But it turns into a murder investigation game. It's really fucking odd. That's
1: quite cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird, man. To be fair, I do feel like a lot of them do kind of end up like that. Like Doki Doki Electric Club is... It turns into a horror game, of sorts. <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah. Mike, it says on this list that you've been playing *Hyrule Warriors*. Yes. I assume, I assume that's on the Wii U because you have it on the Wii U,
0: right? I no, I didn't have it on the Wii U actually. Oh, did you have the 3DS? Yeah, I bought the 3DS version. No, I double dipped. Because I have no self-control. Of all the
1: things to double-dip on, a fucking Musou game. What, oh, I know, boss. Why oh, I know, boss. <laughs> I
0: know, I know. Uh, so, I was... I'd been playing a little bit more of Fire Emblem and then the Hyrule Warriors one came out. And actually, you know what? You know, I bought it. I can't make any excuses. <laughs> it just... So I played a little bit of it and started it up and I thought, I wonder which one I prefer. <laughs> it's weird. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about Hyrule Warriors. We know how the Warriors games works. If you're listening to this podcast, you've played one of the Dynasty Warriors or Hyrule Warriors and when it first came out and, you know, the Abacus. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> Basically, with the Hyrule Warrior, it treats Zelda in kind of like a, a loving way, and it feels like it's probably the better material for the kind of warriors game, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Uh, the Fire Emblem stuff is a bit more—it's a bit more disjointed because they've created this story that's specific. It's, you know it stitches together all the different characters, from the Fire Emblem stuff, all the different games, whereas the, and I'm not trying to have a go at Zelda, but Zelda is basically it's always the same story, isn't it, more or less?
1: Yeah, most part. Yeah. You know
0: the 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 Kingdom of Hyrule is in trouble, um, the Princess Zelda is going to get knackered, the legendary hero needs to come and save her, and the legendary hero always turns out to be this. Uh, mute boy that likes to go fishing or or you know play wind instruments um i think breath of the wild (laughs) definitely made it a bit more different but yeah yeah
1: breath of the wild is like i don't know you're already lost you slept through it what are you doing Link?
0: yeah (laughs) um so hyrule warriors kind of falls into that as well and it does the same thing so it feels more like a Zelda game it's got this kind of new mechanic and it's quite cool but I don't know I've, f- I... it's fucking difficult <laughs> I'm f- I am think Hyrule Warriors is slightly more difficult than Fire Emblem I don't know, have you played enough of the two to kind of make that decision Kieran? Um, yeah, I would I think Fire
1: Emblem might be I don't know, I think in a lot of ways I think Hyrule Warriors is a better game, like I Do think that having the different, you know, all the different Zelda enemies and stuff like that gives a lot more variation to it. Whereas, you know, Fire Emblem Warriors, you're fighting a lot of generic-looking soldiers like every other Dynasty Warriors game. Yeah. Whereas at least in the Zelda one, you're fighting a bunch of different types of monsters and stuff, which is good. Yeah. Um, but in terms of like difficulty, I think it's kind of they're both pretty similar to me. I think you can make Fire Emblem easier for yourself. Because right. it's the whole weapon system. So if you're real good about switching your characters around, so you're using the right weapons against the right type of enemies, then you can just destroy, you know, characters that should be destroying you really quickly. Just because, you know, they had a spear and you had a axe. And
3: yeah, that makes you
1: yeah. You do more damage. Um, but I don't know. For me, I think even though it's even though i think fire uh, the higher wars one's probably a bit better i like the tactical layer that fire emblem warriors added
0: yes yeah well i was gonna say that's one of the things that i noticed in this version of hero warriors it might have been one of the pieces of dlc but it's got this section called the adventure mode
1: yeah no that was in there to start with it was the like the eight bit map. Yes. Go through. Yeah, which is kind yeah. of like what the history mode in Fire Emblem is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I like that stuff. I just mean like, when I say attack stuff, I mean like in Fire Emblem Warriors you can open up the map during any battle yes. and select the different AI characters and point them somewhere. Well, you can do that in Hyrule. Can you? I thought that was something they had for Fire Emblem. I don't remember doing that.
0: In um, Fire. It says you can go into them. Uh, you can point to one of the characters and send them to go somewhere, and they'll they'll head off in that direction. All
1: right. Maybe I'm just misremembering. Them. It's been ages since I played it. Um,
0: Either that, or they've updated it to. Yeah. Put it in. I, I yeah. Uh, I kind of, I
2: kind of feel like with these Muso games, you always get like some some properties that really lend themselves well to the formula like uh fire emblem and berserk and yeah and high and high rules War. uh or you get ones that that really don't change the formula in in ways that you'd hope so it just kind of falls into the this is a skin dynasty warriors mm. yes kind yeah of like, um berserk i don't know if you played the berserk one which is really i saw a bunch of
1: berserk one i didn't actually play it but yeah it uh, seems not good
2: yeah, it's really disappointing for me because I'm a massive fan of Berserk, where it's just Berserk is basically Lou boo and you're just cutting through enemies. Car. Oh, okay. Um uh, did you ever play Dragon Dragon Quest?
1: Uh I play a lot about the first one, I didn't play the second one.
2: Cause I think I think that like those those three are probably like the kind of top tier ones and also right. Attack, on, Attack on Titan as well, which is basically Muso Spider Man. Which is great. Right.
1: I I like that the uh, Dragon Quest one kind of made it into a bit of a tower defense game. Yeah. Like, it had all these tower defense elements, it was pretty smart. Yeah, yeah. Because I think that's Uh, the the thing where when Dynasty War games on the face of them are fine, but they're a bit boring because they're the same thing, it's just button mashing, you know, getting through these levels, real easy stuff. So I definitely (laughs) do like the ones that add more stuff on top like Fire Emblem, the history mode's quite good, Zelda, the adventure mode's really good, Dragon Quest, all the tower defense stuff. So why I've I've always kind of drifted towards the Empire versions of every Dynasty Warriors iteration? Yeah. Because I've always had that tactical layer that I've been like, yeah, cool, I like having this kind of like super light version of like Total War basically, but it becomes you know, uh, you know, Dangerous Warriors when you get into it.
2: Whereas if you play the Attack on Titan one, it is it is essentially, it's probably the most different one. It, it's still kind of like it is pretty much like a Muso, but instead of having loads of loads of kind of soldiers on the screen, you have quite large enemies and then you have like a few massive enemies you have to swing around and pick your shots, but it, it kind of follows the same formula. Mm-hmm. And I think like I think like what you're saying, um, properties like Hyrule Hyrule Warriors and Fire Emblem do great things with remixing the kind of Dynasty Warriors
0: formula. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Yeah. um, It's enjoyable. And... Yeah, I I don't think I've played enough of it to kind of make up my mind because I'm still at the same... The bits that I'm playing through at the moment, I've already played and completed on 3DS. But what I did find on which I didn't find in in Fire Emblem, was I'd got to a certain point, and I don't know if it was just because of the screen that I was playing on, I kind of felt overwhelmed. I, I couldn't jump, switch between the characters quick enough. I couldn't see what was happening on the screen. Plus, look at the mini-map. And it just felt like no matter what I was going to do, I was going to end up losing that level. Mm -hmm. You know, they they just felt like there was too much going on in higher. And I had a little, I've had little pangs of that coming back. um, And I'm playing it on the switch, but I didn't have that on the fire emblem. I got to, I think chapter 13 before it's got really, really difficult.
1: Yeah, that was kind of around the point in Fire Emblem that I started. Like, I'm only in like chapter 17 or 18, but that's right. definitely like the point where I started reaching that, where it was like, oh, I've lost. I had to do this mission a couple of times because I actually lost my main base while I was out doing stuff.
0: Yeah, because it seems that uh, it's easier for that to happen in Hyrule Warriors.
2: Yeah. Yeah. If you uh, don't, if you don't control those. Those kind of choke points, like um, the AI can get overwhelmed pretty, pretty easily in later levels. Kind of.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm finding so where I'm in high Warriors at the moment is only the third level, and I'm already struggling because you get to a point where you have to fight. Uh, oh, it's a, it's like a crab and he's got one big eye that gets protected by a shield.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So um, I get to, you know. You first see him, and before you can get to fight him, there's one of the submissions that comes up. There's there's new enemies scattered all over the maps. Quickly, you have to get them before they take over the forts. So you go and you deal with them, and it's fine. You come back, and the part that I was struggling with was, I would get there, but then one of the other three characters would just walk straight into this guy's, you know, um, attack range and get hammered, and I'm busy chopping away at the enemy and, you know, avoiding his attacks and everything, and this lemming walks straight into (laughs) him gets killed and that's it level finished, start again
1: Yeah, he's never been the strong point of the missile (laughs) games (laughs) It's definitely like in the Fire Emblem one, I've definitely been micromanaging everyone it's definitely been like, as I get to the harder levels, I'm like, I need to just specifically say, you go over here and take this, and then just stay there I'll yes, get don't come to you, back, but for now, stay there.
0: Yes. And, yeah. Yeah, because it has, uh, I'm just looking right now, it has the command section, mm-hmm. you know, so you can click on one of the characters and you can move them around to where they can be, and then you can click on it and just leave them there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think I need to start using that a little bit more <laughs> as well. Start micromanaging it. Yes, there. But uh, yeah, good game. Um, if you're not an idiot like me and like everyone else on this podcast, would I suggest you pick your double dip on this one? I don't know. No, but uh, it's got all the all, you know all the previous DLCs and all the bobs. I believe there's some more characters added in this one, um, and they've also. Some of the outfits are now being reskinned for Breath of the Wild and things.
1: Yeah, but did they add in the ability to knock outfits off of your characters? Because they added that to Fire Emblem Warriors. Oh yeah, but want, it, wasn't it able to just? Oh, uh, start... I built to, be able to wasn't knock it... the armor off of any of the ladies <laughs> in Zelda. Go on.
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know if if it warrants it. You know, a second or a third purchase. Uh, any of you guys are you contemplating picking it up?
1: No. no, I played through that whole story mode and I enjoyed it, and I it's probably one of my it might be like my favorite missile. It's definitely up there, but right. I still I have Fire Emblem. Like I only really really need one at a time to scratch that itch for me. So I'm going to play Fire Emblem until I have no more Fire Emblem, and then yeah. maybe I'll consider maybe I'll pick up like that One Piece one that just came out on Switch or something. Right,
0: to, I'm on to... the
2: precipice of, of dipping into Attack on Titan 2.
0: Hmm. Right, so for long-time listeners of the show, I think this would be the first time ever, and they're going to be shocked and surprised to hear that it's Kieran that's actually the sensible one for a change when it comes to <laughs> buying <laughs> games. Yeah,
2: I did pinch myself there because so I thought I'd nodded off or something. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, give it another week, and they'll come on the podcast next week and be like, oh yeah, I bought the Mega Man Legacy Collection again. Yeah. I needed another copy of Mega Man 1. Yeah.
2: <laughs> that is true. You're, you're buying it
1: over Laser <laughs> <laughs> League. laser not on
0: Switch. If it was on
1: Switch, then maybe. It's
0: true. Uh, so, moving on from this and moving, getting an update on God of War... I see Nathan's been playing it as well as Kieran, so how are you guys getting on? How you found it? I think Nathan's further than me.
2: Um, I think Kieran's further than me. I don't think that's <laughs> accurate. <laughs> I <laughs> cut a guy's um,
4: head off. That was pretty good.
2: I cut a guy's head off. We both cut a guy's head off. It was great.
4: Standard. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, to be um, yeah, for a God of War game, cutting a guy's head off is not, not that <laughs> unique a thing. That's that true.
2: It, it's. I'm trying to I'm trying to be as vague as possible because it's it's one of the few games where like um, every every kind of new bit you discover just adds to your enjoyment of the game. But yeah, and it's I so really...
1: story heavy, which is kind of nuts for a God of War game. But also, the story's good, which is yeah. really weird for a God of War game. Yeah, I I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I was a I
2: was an original God of War fan um one to three i didn't really bother with anything after that i was like kratos has destroyed everything i don't need anymore yeah but now we get to witness kratos maybe destroy another thing and i'm like i'm in all and right that other
1: thing is his relationship <laughs> with his son that's it his name, <laughs> name is boy i believe
2: uh it... He sometimes goes by his middle name Atreus. Um, <laughs> boy, Atreus. boy Atreus. <laughs> boy Atreus.
1: Kratos' surname. Um. Of war. Of war. <laughs> yes, that's it. Boy Boy Atreus of War. That's him.
2: Uh-huh. I don't so without trying to go into any story specifics, I think it's managed to subvert Kratos' character in a way that the original game never really did in that you know. Kratos, kind of at the beginning of the series, he had kind of a lot of reason to do what he did, and as that series went on, uh, I mean, any point after the end of the first game, you, you kind of just like, I'm just I'm just playing for the fun now, man, because you're a dick. You're like, like, you should
1: maybe stop by now. Like you, you kind of got your revenge. <laughs> <It's> like... Yeah. <laughs> it's like, but um,
2: this game, it's it really does interesting things with. With um, Norse mythology, I, have you spoke about this on the podcast before, Kieran? Uh, a...
1: Yeah, but like the very intro of it, I hadn't played much of it at that point.
2: Oh, okay, that's cool. I mean, like, I'm I'm not really gonna be dropping any uh, heavy spoilers here. Um, disclaimer: I'm probably gonna drop some heavy spoilers and inadvertently. <laughs> apologies from now. But I mean, I, I kind of find that it's... That, it's um, that the the change of the pace of the game. Um, Admittedly, I wasn't in- enjoying it as much as the old ones at first, because I've, I've kind of like um, I like my hack and slash games. Then I was kind of I was kind of a bit reticent about the change that they took, but it's really won me over. Um, the The beginning of the game is very slow. I-, I don't know if you agree with that, Kieran, but for me, it took a, f- a good few hours to get going.
1: Yeah, I think. Like there is a good, there is an intro section that takes quite a while and is quite slow and not a lot happens in. But I do feel like the moment that section is over, a, a guy punches you into the sky and it's like, all right, on board, <laughs> let's go, it's God of War time. There's a bit like it literally starts really slow and then turns into Dragon Ball Z for a fight, and you're like, all right, yeah, God of War, got it. Um. I think I think the pacing on that bit's really good because
2: it was starting to lose me as like your original trilogy fan, and it's just like lamp. All right, he's in the sky now. I was like, here we go.
1: Yeah, especially because even that fight starts quite slow. It starts with this guy just like talking shit to Kratos, being like, "Who are you? Why are you here in Norse mythology lands?" And it's like, that's and Kratos. That's not the name of this place. You know, that's not. <laughs> <really fucking> <laughs> and then like the guy punches Kratos, and Kratos is like. hmm. you you don't want to fight me. And he's like, I'm a god. And Kratos is like, you don't want to see what I do to gods. Like, it's not... (laughs) Come on, man. And then punches him through the sky and through a bunch of trees and shit. It's such a good intro to that game where it does do that kind of misleading thing of being super slow. Like, I think it does have such a good payoff for it, even though it is definitely slow. Um, But then everything after that, I think, got a good pace to it like it's a lot of you know it, it just keeps going for the most part like there's not been another section like that where it's like ah we're just gonna be going super slow doing this thing every now and again you'll hit a roadblock and it'll be like we need to go somewhere else and get a thing to do this but for the most part it's just been like all right we're gonna keep going forward and keep murdering dudes it's
2: a it's a it's a lot more um i mean it's still linear in that you have a Definitive goal to work work towards in any part of the game, yeah. but it also opens up in a way I didn't think they were going to.
1: Yeah, I, it's, thought, it's, I mean, it's still, it's a linear game, but it's more like it's got a a hub that goes off into different linear areas, basically. Yeah, definitely. I think,
2: like, I think, I find the pacing and like the the way you play through it closer to something like Dark than than the actual older god of war games
1: yeah definitely
2: because you can go off for you can go off for an hour or two and just like find a new area and it's got like um some secrets that you want to fight through and it gets you upgrades and you know a whole a whole bunch of a whole bunch of stuff that just really didn't exist
1: in the old games the old game was pretty much just like from a to b Mm -hmm. you know um it was Although like backtracking stuff, which is not something that was ever in well, it's probably it was in those other games a little bit, but not as of man, yeah. I mean, like, the, this,
2: like, the backtracking in this game is literally like, all right, we got to the top of this mountain, okay, now we need to go get something on the other side of the world. Where <laughs> Whereas before, the backtracking would have been like three or four screens with you know fixed camera angles, just like. I've destroyed this guy, and I'm going to carry his head and use it as a key to this door over here. He does do that a lot. I,
1: think he, I mean... He does that in this game. Not specifically as a key, but he carries around the guy's head.
2: <laughs> I'm I'm just saying, if you create a world where you're a god, maybe create a door system in which you don't have to rip off people's body parts to get around. Or, <laughs> and maybe don't have doors linked to to a people's particular heads. god. Yeah, yeah. True. Like, I'm not an architect, but I, but I think if I was designing a building, I'd probably use a key card system, not someone's face.
1: I mean, most of the Norse gods seem to have got around that because instead of using people's faces, you just have to draw things in sand. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> it'd be like it's just a little fucking fountain with, fan, with sand on it, and it'd be like, well, I'm going to draw a symbol up. The doors open. Yay! And a really I, I kinda... like this I kinda like what
2: they've done with uh Kratos' character as well, in that like he's gone from being really a really just like one note rage character to being a real just a calm, marginally old bastard. But he's just he's still angry but he's trying to keep it in check because he doesn't wanna, you know, completely alienate his son, but he's still just a sullen dick. And every other character in the game like really calls him out on it. Which leads to some of the like more humorous moments in, in the dialogue. There was like one sequence I really enjoyed, but I don't really want to get into for spoiler <laughs> reason, but it's probably like one of the it's probably one of the best uh bits of dialogue I've heard in a game this year and and cutscenes. pretty funny.
1: Is that like around the time that you acquire the head?
2: It is. It is the lead up to acquiring the head. The acquiring the head.
1: There's a there's a bit earlier than that that I really like. It's weird actually how Good, a sense of humor this game has, and also manages to balance like having that kind of comic relief stuff. And I think it would be overwhelmingly like broody if it didn't have these kind of comic relief bits in it. And I think they balance it quite well to make it not feel. It doesn't feel like a super dour game for the most part because yeah, it has these bits where, like one of the bits that happens earlier on is um, like Kratos and his son are going through. A bunch of caves that have been dug into the mountain and kratos is like these caves are very small considering they were built by giants and his son's just like giants were just a race they weren't actually massive you knew that right and kratos just like shut up boy
2: (laughs) 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 one of our things is like when kratos is trying to get closer to his son and his son's just like so dad do you know any stories he's like (laughs) His stories are the best. <laughs> it's like I know, I know of one. There was a tortoise and the hare. The tortoise, uh, the hare was was overconfident and inefficient. The tortoise was slow and expedient. The tortoise won, and the son's just like don't tell stories often, do you? <laughs> and it's just, it's just like you, which is really funny because uh, a lot of the game you're kind of traveling, uh, using boats from place to place. And uh, at at the beginning of the game, like um, Kratos is pretty much like any time the, the boy asks a question because he's he's an he's well like twelve or thirteen. He's like he's like a he's he's like a kid and he, you know, kids ask annoying questions all the time. I'm pretty sure the parents parents in here would, would agree. But kids ask annoying questions all the time and he's just at the beginning of the game, um Kratos just has no fucking time for you, he's just like quiet boy. And the kids just like oh, but I just wanted to he's like what did I say? Quiet. And that's like half of the dialogue for like the old couple of... It's just, you're just walking around with this son of God shutting up a boy who's just asking general child and he,
1: questions. And even like comes up with excuses at points. Like you go to places and you would be like, there could be enemies nearby, be quiet boy. Or like when you're getting higher up in the mountain, he's like, the air will be getting thin up here soon. So, shut, stop, up. shut up, boy. It's like, it's like if he's your son, he's at least part god. I don't think he's going to give a shit about being slightly low on air. You're clearly just <laughs> wanting him to not
0: talk. It's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I it was, think
2: it is, they do a really good turn on actually making Kratos realize that he's a bit of a dick and he actually does need to interact with this child. Yeah.
1: It's. It's really good. I didn't expect to like it as much as I have um, so far, and I'm definitely going to play through the rest of it. Um, I just, I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes, which is not a thing I can really say for any God of War past. Like, I mean, the first one. Like, I liked pretty much all the original trilogy, but I never really cared about the story after like the first one.
2: I I liked all of them, but I couldn't tell you a single. That's. St- single scene from it i don't remember any scenes i just remember he tore everyone to pieces some people he stabbed through the head some heads he tore off some people he stamped on but everybody got it so that's <laughs> you know like the 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 whole um the whole laura story behind it was just like i'm pissed off these gods have wronged me and they
1: all need to die
0: yeah yeah pretty much
1: it and then 3, they were like, but they were all bad because of reason. And it's like, this is a really weird thing to add in at the end of this game. At the end of this trilogy, to be like, there was a reason they were bad. And it's like, why didn't you just leave them as being dicks? It <laughs> was good enough. Um, Yeah, those games were weird.
4: But yeah, yeah I'm liking this one quite bit. If you hadn't played any of the other ones, though, could you just jump in here?
1: Yeah, definitely. Or at least so far. I don't know if they delve more into like previous God of War stuff, but really all you need to know is Kratos did some bad shit and left Greece, or destroyed Greece, I guess, technically. And is now living in Norse mythology lands. And, and it, all seems, you know.
2: yeah, it seems he got married and had a kid. or It seems he got married and had a kid? Even that relationship seems a bit unclear.
1: Yeah, they don't really mention the kids mum that much except for Kratos being upset that she has gone his son being upset that she has gone both of them going on this journey to scatter her ashes and to the point where you can clearly tell like they do a good job of making it be like oh this person was obviously very important to both of them because they're not just like her last wishes were like you must scatter my ashes on like the highest mountain on all the lands and instead of just being like we're going for like we're gonna just fucking scar them on a mountain somewhere. They're like, it must be the highest mountain. That's what she <laughs> yeah. asked for. We're gonna do that. We're gonna to... don't care if we have to murder a lot of things along the way. We will get there. We will do it.
2: Yeah, they they are really going above and beyond to fulfil our wishes. There there has been a lot of bloodshed so far in my in my safe, and I think I'm maybe halfway through the game. I don't know. played quite long, probably like 15 to 15 to 17 hours i think
1: yeah it seems like it's quite a long game
2: yeah it it got to the point where like uh, i thought oh man i must be quite near an and now i was oh jesus so <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but in a refreshing way not like uh, oh no there's more to slow through it's more like okay
1: yeah yeah i'm up. I'm um ben <sighs> You've been playing some Surviving Mars, which is a game that I still haven't picked up yet. How is I that? I still
4: can't believe. I still can't believe that you haven't picked that up. It's because
1: I was doing that Northgard review, and then I was doing yeah Total War. I'm still doing Total War, so. Someday. I mean,
4: as a side note, I edited your Northgard review, and then got Northgard as well. Northgard's a really because... good game. Yeah, it sounded exactly like the type of game that I like to play. And but when I was reading through your review of that, it could easily have been a review of Surviving Mars at some points, because you are just dealing with problems all the time. And oh, there's not sense. enough oxygen. There's not enough water. There's not enough food. There's not enough yeah metal.
1: Northgard definitely has a lot of that kind of like city builder stuff in it, so it doesn't surprise me too much that. Like a more kind of pure city builder like surviving mars is you know similar to it
4: yeah and um, i was i was wanting to write about it for the site as well and i probably will still get around to doing it but the campaign i was playing took such a weird and horrible twist that i've had to see it through to find out where it's going and um, i got my colony on mars up to around about 350 people humans <laughs> um well you, you've got bots and they're oh, you okay. can eventually get clones and stuff as well so like, you start with just robots we drones to kind of start mining materials until you've got enough until you're able to set up a water and oxygen supply before you start bringing people that need to do the more complex stuff that's pretty cool And um, but yeah so i got my colony up to about 350 folk spread out between a few domes and then every time you play a game on Spyping Mars it puts a random mystery into the game and my mystery was revealed that I accidentally sent some horrible disease back to Earth Um, and they were like okay right because it came from up there you need to uh D- develop the cure up there. Yeah, I was like, okay, let's go. We'll we'll work on that at some point. We've got a lot of other problems that we're dealing with, but we'll do a cure at some point. And the notifications for bad things happening on Earth kept coming and getting progressively worse. <laughs> I was like, okay, like the third world has pretty much perished now because they couldn't they couldn't do anything about this disease. I was like, okay, right. We'll 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 think about working on the cure
1: so you basically kind of end up at a point where instead of expanding humans from earth you're replacing them because yeah you're like oh well well yeah
4: we're what's left i guess it got it got to like it went through epidemic pandemic uh extinction level and there was there was not a soul left on (laughs) earth and what that also meant was that i could no longer Get any more colonists from Earth? I couldn't get any more supplies from Earth, so I was completely cut off too. Oh, jeez! And that's when problems started, and I started running out of metal and oxygen, water, and suddenly I only had eleven colonists left. And maybe one of them was still a scientist that was researching this cure for the disease. And um, but they managed; they got they they researched the cure, and the minute they had completed it, they were like, okay, there was this spaceship that was just in orbit with, like, the last survivors from Earth, which we're sending to you now. Uh, So, I instantly got a few more colonists, and then I started having to grow cure potatoes to send back to Earth to help out with anybody that actually was still there. So, slowly over time, I've been building up uh, more supplies and more colonists, and I've kind of got steadily got back to my 350 colonists. Because I've managed to research the clones, because I, I, I was really thinking that I was never going to get any more people, and I was just going to have to build a clone army on Mars. Uh, but yeah, it's it's the other name I give for it is Problem Simulator 2018, because you are just constantly dealing with new problems that arise. Yeah, and it's it's that same sort of thing that you said in Northgard, it's like, okay I want some more colonists because I want my research to go faster oh, but I don't have enough food for all these colonists so I'm going to need some more farms and they're going to need new homes for these farmers and yeah, it just goes on and on and on, and on.
1: yeah, it's always spinning in place awesome. to make sure everything's there's never just like a wooden or there may eventually be, but it's not until towards the end where you have a Kind of Wednesday, of everything's going fine. I Do what I want? If I want more people, I can do that now.
2: That kind of sounds like frostpunk as well. Yeah, except I don't think it would ever get to the point where everything's fine <laughs> when the thaw
4: happens. I think, I think that's a kind of running theme with uh, paradox interactive games as well. It's there's there's not really any fun in winning (laughs) it's just it's just the challenge of not losing yeah yeah right i've I've won and the futility of it all yeah like like crusader kings 2 is a a classic example the game goes up to like 15th century i think i've never made it that far never ever made it that far (laughs) Yeah. It's it's more about the like you're saying about um God of War which has a story and you play through the story. These mm-hmm. games are more about making your own story within the game. Which is which is why I like them.
1: Yeah. It sounds cool. I need to pick up because
2: I've heard that the that there's like little to no tutorial in it.
4: Yeah. And um, what it what it does is there's um on the main on the menu there's an easy start button which literally puts you straight in to a game with the easiest settings in a generated piece of land that should be fairly easy to play through. And and that's about it. It just tells you stuff's coming, and it'll it'll, it'll be fine. It'll just shows you how it goes. But it isn't really. There's definitely no hand-holding.
2: See, so that's that's kind of a an issue for me because I recently got a new PC, so I've been trying to play a few more strategy games. But I'm not really I'm not really at the level where I could take on something like a Surviving Mars or even a Northgard. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: That's right. Yeah. that was me. As well. uh, so I bought Surviving Mars. Uh played a little bit of it and thought, no chance.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you are probably be fine with Northgard Northgard's also got like a really good campaign that eases you into everything so the first couple of missions of it are just like hey build up a really basic settlement and then as you go through the levels it kind of introduces more and more mechanics until you have basically the full game right and yeah. then the campaign gets really fucking hard but up until that point it's really good
2: see Crosspunk on the other hand is
1: like the literal
2: opposite it's like you start you literally start it and it's like well everything's fucked and then it's like it's giving you a tutorial but at the same time people are dying and everything's just working (laughs) against you you're just like it's so fucking oppressive and overwhelming so it's just like uh i don't know but that's i know with all these strategy games. Like, um, I kind of like asked my, uh, Kieran and another friend what well, I should start with, and I got put on to Civ Six. So <laughs> that's as much that's as much as I can give you about Frostpunk. I I started the game. <laughs> I did the tutorial. I failed the tutorial, this but well, it's a fucking. It seems like a fucking great game, but it it, it sounds very <laughs> similar to Surviving Mars, except you're not you're not it's you're pretty much just in a a kind of alternate history 17th century uh, sorry 19th century and it, the world's frozen over and you have to build a city around the around a kind of like um a generator and it's just the whole the whole time you start the game it, it tells you oh i has got to build a little uh, a little resource center so you can collect wood and you do that and it's like, people are freezing today. You should build some shelter. <laughs> you try building some shelter, then it's like people are complaining. They don't have food. And so you have to like pledge to to give them food. And every second, it's just like, as you said, with surviving Mars, you know, like your extinction level stuff, you just got things popping up and you got these little meters to just try and try and balance. And it's just like I'll, I played an hour and a half. Of it. I was like, I'm really not at this level yet. and I. I basically got almost disposed of in 90 minutes. Okay, fuck off. Like, we need someone else to run the sea. But, I, think I, I agree with you, like, those those games are interesting because you can kind of, like, it's more like an emergent story. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a kind of set path. It's more like, this fucking thing happened, so I dealt with it, which in turn opened up all these catastrophes. So that's why I'm trying to get into them a bit more.
1: Yeah, that's definitely why I find the stuff as so well, like, northgard like i tried to get that across in my review as much as i could where like there are multiple parts of my review that are just like anecdotes of things that happened because yeah i found them kind of funny and they were these kind of emergent stories that just kind of came up not you know not everyone they weren't part of the story mode they were just a thing that happened that was really interesting and cool
4: talking about kind of strategy games here and I gave you one to play for <laughs> on the site. Yeah. Total the- Bar Saga's Throne of Britannia.
1: Yeah, this is one, this kind of like came out of nowhere for me where I was under the assumption that the next Total War game was going to be that, um, the Chinese one that they announced. Uh, fuck. Hey, oh. The, the Dynasties one, I forget the name. Um, but like they're they're doing a their next one is going to be like you know another big massive scale historical one. Um, but then they brought out this Total War Saga uh, Thrones of Britannia that is a much smaller scale um, Total War game that is kind of just set in Britain mm. and it is about kind of the period of time when when you know vikings had they were still raiding parts of the country but mm-hmm. also had settled down in parts of the country yeah so it was that kind of point where it was like at you know at a certain point they were kind of just raiding each other as well as you know everyone else um and it's it's quite a good kind of fit for the series i think in time ta- in terms of time period and so, you get, uh, you can choose between like different factions as always of different people. So, you can be one of the Viking factions. You can be one of the, there's a couple of different English factions. There's a couple of different uh, Celtic factions across, uh, you know, Scotland and Ireland. Um, and so, naturally, I played like one of the Scottish factions to start with, which is cool because they, they've done some kind of cool stuff for this game where it's, I, think, I feel like the idea behind their saga, like, side series of Total War games is they want to do these smaller scale ones that do stuff slightly different, so this game brings in some stuff, it feels like they're trying to, it feels like they played a bunch of Crusader Kings, and we're like, we can do that, and then somewhere down the line someone's like, actually no, we can't, but we can kind of look like we are at points. Um... <laughs> so there's a bunch of stuff like uh assassination attempts happen you can like plot against different people and plan assassinations and your, um like all of the total war games have had like your kind of family tree and like your whole kind of court of people and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but they've never been super important in most of the previous ones like the only one that i can really think of was really like shogun 2 had a good chance for like if your generals became too powerful they would turn against you because they didn't respect you anymore Uh, this has that kind of stuff and also um does this weird thing though where it kind of ties it to land claims which is a very british way to handle it i think um where if you have the most land you're the most influential person in the country and so you're the one everyone looks up to and so yeah But then also if you have too much land you're too powerful and people don't look up to you because they're like wow look at this fucking king that's just claiming all of scotland for his own so you hand off your land to nobles and then nobles are suddenly really happy with you because they're like i've got land that's great and it's it's weird it's not that
4: that sounds exactly like crusader kings to be honest
1: (laughs) it's nowhere near as deep as how crusader kings handles it like it's there's nowhere near as many like stats for you know stats that influence how people feel towards you it's literally just kind yeah. of the land claims it's like so or you could do something dumb like what i did which was i misclicked because the thing popped up and it's like uh it was like oh this person in your court has lost influence with you and you know is uh at risk of rebelling and i was like all right I'll go and give him some like meaningless title and went and was like hovering over the things. Because it's same, like with Crusader Kings, we can give them kind of relatively useless titles just to calm them down. Um, you can do that. And so I went to give them a useless title, realized I'd given them all out. I was hovering over the other options to see what I could do and I accidentally hit the button that made him my heir, which made everyone oh. be like, that guy was a nobody. And now he's the heir." No. And then everyone rebelled, like, every one of my cities rebelled against me, because I accidentally made this guy my heir, and they all went to shit very quickly, which was quite fun. Um, But then other than that, it's mostly, like, just another total war game. Like, all the core combat stuff is pretty much the same. Um, The factions have these storylines that you can uh, take part in that are kind of unique to each faction, but they seem completely inessential, like, I've only finished one full game of it so far and I didn't finish that storyline because I finished the regular kind of total war game like the the campaign ended before I'd done that storyline just because you know, I naturally had to go through certain enemies to get to where I needed to go to finish the storyline but in doing so I conquered enough land that it was like you win and I was like oh that's not I was just going there to do a thing I need to go find the stone that had a thing on it but I conquered people on the way there and now I've won I guess it's great, okay, fine so I'm not super sold on that I still need to play more of it that's the kind of unfortunate thing about <laughs> viewing a Total War game of they're massive and take a huge amount of time but yeah, yeah um, I am enjoying it. it the setting seems good and it is a good one of those games, it's just not doing anything super different I don't think I haven't played
4: a total war game since um the empire
1: um you should play shogun 2 it is probably i mean those warhammer games are very good as well but like shogun 2 is probably the it's my favorite at least but i think it's probably one of the best of those games um and it's that other thing where the older like shogun 2 Looks like graphically very similar to this. Like this doesn't push the boat out in any way. Um, it seems to be the same engine as Total War Attila, which was the one they did after Rome Two. So it's not that it's older than both the Warhammer games, but not super old. But like it, that stuff all seems like it's built on a very similar engine, and they all feel very similar. And so like Shogun Two doesn't seem super dated compared to this in any way, and. I think it's still a better game and you can get it for cheaper now because it's several years old. Mm. Whereas this is pretty much mm. a full price game, which seems like a massive mistake to me, especially given they're supposed to be releasing like a bigger full Total War layer. Um, and given that the only modes in this game are there's a grand campaign and multiplayer, usually you'll have like the historical battles and stuff like that or some smaller yeah. campaigns and this is just... You have the grand campaign, you have multiplayer that's it there's a greyed out dlc menu and the front like the main menu which seems like a real shitty thing to do with a game that has this little content and costs this much but it's it's still fine like if you desperately need a new total war game or you just really like the time period and it is a good time period um then it's it's good like it will be fun but it's not there are better total war games for cheaper
4: that i would probably recommend first yeah i mean i i do really like that time period yeah and the time uh,
1: period is good and there's, but there's been other games that have been set in similar time periods like i've made quite old but like medieval 2 i believe had a, yeah. a side campaign that was set in a similar time period it was older It was it was pre-vikings but it was you know similar and you know it's it's interesting that they decided to do this and I like the setting and stuff, but it feels like it's one of those. It does feel like when the older Total War games came out, they had a bunch of smaller side campaigns in them, or when the expansions came out for them, they would come bundled with like three or four of these smaller campaigns. And it feels like one of those. It doesn't feel like a Shogun Two. It doesn't feel like a you know Rome Two. Um, despite the fact that the map itself is really big, like they they make Britain huge, like it is. <laughs> Probably one of the biggest renditions of the country that has been, you know, done in a video game for some reason. But it's, yeah, I don't know. I'm enjoying it, but I I struggle to recommend it, basically.
4: I just went to check on on Steam and it is £30. Yeah, which seems like, yeah,
1: it seems like quite a lot for, like, Shogun 2, you can get for pretty cheap now, and it goes on sale all the time. Or even Rome 2, or. You know, Attila, which this one seems to be based on. Um, But yeah, it's alright. It's just not not the best. Um, Mike, you've been playing strategy games too, too, though. Uh, I kind of have, yeah. The greatest strategy game ever known to man The Battle of of Polytopia.
0: Yes! (laughs) Polytopia? Polytopia? Who Yeah, so the. Several ideas for phones. It's great. Yes. So what what had happened was I was in one of those moods. I really fancied Civilization, and I started out, started up my copy of a Civilization Rev, uh, Civ Rev, mm-hmm. that I've got on the Xbox compatibility thing. So played a little bit of that, and then on my commute to work the next morning, still fancied it. So remembered I had uh, the Battle of Polytopia. And I have played the hell out of it. So uh, I have now played using, I think you get, is it four different clans or tribes that you can pick from yeah, in the free-to-play to play play. version? Yeah. Uh, and I've played uh, using the, where you have to, you know, finish the game within 30 moves. And then there's the domination mode where the game ends once you wipe out all the other opponents that you have. Mm-hmm um and yeah it's good and i spent some money on the game i bought one of the uh, one of the tribes and i'll probably end up buying you know buying one and then playing through everything with them uh the cool thing that that does though i don't know if you noticed this is that when you buy and unlock more tribes when you do the when you pick the games and set them up you can then increase the number of opponents that you have
1: yeah because there's more stuff for it to choose
0: between. yeah yes yeah so it you know at the moment i can play a game and i can have four different tribes as opponents yeah and it gives you a bigger map to explore and it just expands the game yeah which a- is really good yeah it is a-
1: they added <laughs> um they added online multiplayer to it recently so oh did they we should try that as well. yes
0: Yeah, we should. uh, uh, I do wish that sometimes I wish that the, you know, sometimes when uh, you're researching the the technologies and things, the only reason you're doing it is, you know, to get to uh, one of the military ones at the end. There's not, I'd like a bit more of the civilization where you can, you know, there'd be different ways to win the game. Uh, but that's that's just a wish list. What I want is civilization revolution on the mobiles, and they've tried it. You know, bless them. Uh, <laughs> you know the 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 uh, who's it? Is it two K that own the CivRev? Rev? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. They they've tried. I don't know how many times to do mobile versions, and it just hasn't worked.
1: Yeah, um,
0: it's a shame. Yeah, I. Uh, they should get together with the, the Battle of Polytopia guys. Yeah, I, I was just <laughs> going
4: to say, every time I come on here, you guys make me buy a mobile app, but this is actually free.
0: Free? It's free, yes, so uh, once you, you get to a certain point, what I would suggest then is uh, spending a pound straight away, actually, because it would, <laughs> uh, well, maybe play two games with it and then spend a pound because then it gives you more opponents, because when you're playing with uh, I think it's three opponents is the most you can get Becomes quite easily, very quick, quite easy, very quickly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean. yeah. Uh, yeah. So I've just been playing more of that. There's not much, uh, no reason to really talk about it much more than that. Um, I'm just looking to see what we've got left to talk about. Uh, Nathan stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Shall I talk about uh, a little bit of burnout revenge, seeing as I've. I've talking about games that we've played before and yeah, go for it. It. so burnout revenge got released onto the xbox backwards compatibility the 360 version is now playable on your xbox one and they've they said they played around with it a bit and it's up op- what are they what's the bullshit term they use optimized for xbox one s
1: i mean or one it it's not really bullshit they they update the frame rate, they make the resolution higher. Yeah,
0: okay, right. But it's yes, more it's
1: more uh, relevant for games that don't already run super well. Like Burnout Revenge was already a
0: yes, know, super uh, polished
1: game, but things like, you know, Red Dead Redemption that kind of didn't run super good on the three sixty most of the time, but mm, now yeah. runs at a really solid frame rate is you know.
0: Better. Yes, yeah. So um It's Burnout Revenge, they haven't you know, they have optimized it, but that's it. That it's not like uh bonnet Paradise. Well, mind you, Bonnet Paradise didn't really have anything else added to mm-hmm. it either. So it's yeah, I I double dipped again.
1: <laughs> I can kind of understand double dipping for an old Burnout game more.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh it's I once they announced it and I thought shit, I haven't played a decent crash mode. In, yeah. you know, ages.
1: There hasn't um, been one in ages. They did that crash mode game, like the people that left Criterion made that yes, crash mode that, game, and it was terrible. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I
4: was looking at that and was, say it was terrible. Yes. It was in um, Danger Zone. Yeah that's, the one. yeah, that's it. Yeah. It didn't have the Danger Zone song as the main menu. It was I mean, like <laughs> the one thing you would do. Yeah. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, so oh. even
1: pinball arcade got like that bad cover of pinball wizard for the fucking main yeah. menu theme.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh so, Burnout Revenge is—it's Burnout Revenge. It's a good game.
4: And I, I need to check that. So, if you already own Burnout Revenge. If,
0: yeah, if you already, it, then that's it. You'll be able to play it if you. Either the digital version, or if you've got a physical disc copy of it, you can pop it in, and then it recognizes the disc and downloads a version of it that you can play. But if I remember correctly, those ver- uh, when you own the physical version of the disc, it always has to be in the machine, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. it's basically like yeah. a are playing off disc, even though it's using a digital version of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I assume it's the three sixty version of Burnout Revenge. It is, yes. Because yeah. that was like one wow, of those cross-gen games that. It was, like, one of the last original Xbox games. Was it? Is it? I'm pretty sure it was. Oh, wow. Ah, uh, yeah, I think you... I think that... I, I played Burnout Revenge on the PlayStation 2.
4: Is Burnout Revenge, essentially, the third one?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, the fourth one. Fourth one. Burnout 3 Takedown was the third one. Yeah, oh. Takedown take
0: was the last one take I played on the PS2. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah. I'm looking up here, yeah. So it was on PlayStation 2, Xbox, Xbox 360... No oh time.
0: right,
4: okay. Well, if I had it, no PS3, G sixty.
1: Yeah, I I only know because the only version of what I played was on PS2.
0: Right. Uh, but yeah, so it was it was nice visiting it again. Uh, if you're feeling nostalgic, uh, you know, there's worse things you can spend a tenner on. So. They should make a new but... Burnout game. They should. Um, based on sort of. Burnout Three,
1: I think. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, find when our paradise like game, but I feel like Horizon fits that in a lot of ways now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I always felt that, uh, you know, that the the best the best game was kind of three. Burnout was good. Uh, Burnout Revenge was good, but three, just done it a little bit better, I think. Yeah, I think
1: two and three are probably the best two. Yeah. Those PSP games yeah. were really good because they were just best yeah. of. Things yes. between those first four
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What are criteria in doing these days anyway? Fuck oh, knows. They were doing the vehicle controls for Battlefield games.
4: Nice. The last thing they announced.
1: <laughs> they announced that thing. They announced that thing at E3 like three or four years ago that wasn't even a game yet. It was just a teaser trailer of <laughs> here's a really poorly modeled car, a really poorly modeled helicopter. Enjoy. And it's like, okay, yeah. great. This isn't a game. You <laughs> should probably make a game at some point. I'd buy that.
0: Uh, yeah. But uh, moving swiftly on, Nathan, do you want to tell us about Orwell?
2: Yeah, don't mind if I do. Um, actually, this is another game that I, that I saw was on offer and then I ended up realizing I owned it from a humble bundle. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Probably unsubscribe from the Humble bundle because I'm not looking at the games that I'm installing from it. But um, Orwell's Orwell a very interesting uh, game. It's, it's a visual novel that I'm assuming when it came out it was episodic because it's split into like five episodes that appear to be like half an hour to forty minutes each. If you if you're doing um, the episode to episode, but essentially as the as the name might might give you a clue, um, Orwell's set in a kind of dystopic totalitarian future in a fictional place called the nation. Um, Right. And you're uh, an investigator. You're basically an investigator who essentially your job is to spy on, spy on the the populace and um, try and work out who's responsible for a series of bombings that have occurred recently. And the way you do that is you kind of look through, you kind of look through like the news and you link names and uh, people to places. So it starts kind of like on the, on the outskirts. So you'll look through CCTV footage and it's kind of the whole game's presented, like you're, you're using a a computer program. So it looks like you're using an OS almost, but it's just called Orwell. And you'll look through stuff like CCTV footage. You'll look through uh, newspaper clippings until you get like naming information. Mm -hmm. And, you slowly but surely build a, a, a basically a very intrusive profile of the person that that may or may not be the suspect and through that you start to you start to to intrude deeper into their their lives using the system now one of the key kind of gameplay points is that you you kind of pick the information you want to go into Orwell and on the other side you have a handler who, who doesn't have access to the information you're putting in, they just get the result of it. So you kind of have to be careful with what information you put in there because they, they kind of take it literally and they process it. Like an early example of this is, um, you're spying on, you're spying on the text message conversation of one of the people you think's a suspect and she jokingly says to someone uh, who's clearly her boyfriend, like, oh, I stole your, I stole your card to, to get us some wine for tonight. So I was early in the game and I was just, I just uh, put that into Orwell. And then the guy was like, oh, good thing you alerted me. She's clearly a card thief and just got card canceled. <laughs> so it, it kind of starts off like with innocuous stuff like that. But as you, as you get, you know, further and intrude further into lives and get more potentially dangerous information, the stuff you put in there can have like a really adverse effect and affect um, what happens to characters within the story. So, for example, a piece of information I put in got uh got one of the characters killed uh, by by police gunfire. Jeez. <laughs> so, so it's like it, it's it's quite it's a it's quite interesting, and at the same time, you have to deal with um it, essentially the bombings are being played, uh, supposedly perpetrated by a group that are a uh, you know very for free speech. So, in other words, they're kind of like your adversaries, but you you wanna the the way the story is kind of laid out it made me to to you know be earnest about whether I was making this making uh, about the sorry be earnest about the information I was putting into the system because I really want to catch the actual culprit because it the the way that the information is presented is very easily to just like say oh, it's clearly this person and you know potentially ruin lives and it it the way it presents it all through this OS and your interactions with your handler just it's it's very interesting and you obtain extra information from just like, uh, for example, they might have their, their username for a website on one of their profiles and that gets added into Orwell. So Orwell's basically just like a, a really dispassionate information crawler that just builds a profile based on the information you feed it and it's like it the the story really does go places. And uh, apparently, I had the second part as well, so I'll be playing through that scene as well. <laughs> but I mean, if you're if you're into kind of like um, telltale style games and visual novels, it's I, I really suggest picking up. I think it's like a couple of quid, like four or five quid on Steam, and just yeah, I, I just thought I, I thought it was it was great. Um, yeah, the the story went places. Um, it had twists and turns and by the end I was just like, I've, I just wasn't sure what information to put in anywhere anymore and it was just really tense so I really enjoyed it.
1: It seems really cool. Yeah it is. Cool. Um, so I think the only thing we've got left on list now is uh, Terraforming Mars,
4: Ben? Yes. Terraforming so- Mars, the computer game. <laughs> Not the board game. <laughs> um, but it's a board game. At, uh, no, it's not. It's a computer game adaptation of the board game. Okay. Um, it's it's still in really early alpha at the moment. Um, the the core mechanics is all there. They've, they've made the, the surface of Mars look really nice. As in, it still looks like a planet, but you still get the hex board. System from the actual board game. Um, I think the the game mechanics been explained enough on the podcast, before, from the board game, I uh, the I played. I've I've only actually played one game of it, and I followed the guide that I was given, which was to set up a game with a hard AI and to play it through. Um, and I rather scumped the hard AI by quite a large margin. Right. Which was kind of disappointing so to speak. And you couldn't see what they were doing. They were clearly spending resources you know, and earning certain things. But you, you couldn't see what cards they were playing, which was strange because you would normally
0: be able to see yeah. what an opponent's playing during, during the, game. the The problem that you games like terraforming Mars is that because they're engine builders <laughs> um i i would imagine it it's quite difficult to program an ai that could effectively play one well because you need to when you're doing when you're playing that type of game you're building this engine you need to be able to tweak it on the fly yeah so mm-hmm. you know so you you're all geared up for um, energy production, for example, but you see that other people are focusing more on victory points or money, you need to be able to kind of stop your engine and divert things moving along. Um, Whereas, you know, an AI will just, you know, it picks one strategy and it goes for it. It doesn't have the ability to, to switch things on the fly. So yeah, I'm not surprised that you found it, you know, quite easy. Does it have a like a multiplayer? Not an online multiplayer, but you know, basically a way of playing off the same tablet or anything like that at the moment. And
4: not as far as I can remember when I when I took a look at it, and um, it was very much a case of, you know, try it try it on this mode first before you go and have a look at other things. Right
3: uh,
4: which you know I followed I followed that instruction that was that was passed on to me when we were asked to take a look at the game. Um, yeah, I think it's it's got potential. you know it what was there graphically was looking nice. The UI had problems, the fact that you couldn't see what the AI was doing, they kind of they rushed, I think it was the temperature. So yeah, yeah. the temperature on on the surface, and then they just didn't seem to do anything else for the rest of the game. So, yeah, I think that it's it's got a long way to go.
0: it's, it's got some potential. Right, right. Yeah, there's some of the games, the the board games that they're taking, they're turning into these digital versions. At the moment, I'm st- I'm still a little bit skeptical. That terraforming Mars is definitely one of them. The other one that. I'm not hundred percent sure of it, and I hope it works out for the best. Is side, hmm. um, but we can we can only hope. Yes,
4: I I do look forward to playing actual terraforming Mars with you again, though. Yes, as, as you, po- as you pointed out, it had been a year since we last played it.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. So um, hopefully we'll be able to do it um, soon. Which, um, if you're finished talking about terraforming yes. Mars, I, we can actually segue quickly into this time no, next it's week. time. It's oh cool. yes, <laughs> uh, this time next week, um, when I'm talking about the, uh, as we're recording this, yeah. we uh, Ben and myself will be at the UK Games Expo in Birmingham. I wish I was. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so the UK. Games Expo, for those that are not aware of, started out as basically a gathering for diehard enthusiasts in uh, role-playing games, miniature war games, and a little bit of board gaming. Um, And it occupied, I think, two function rooms within the Hilton Hotel near the the National Exhibition Centre in Birmingham. And it has now grown into this event where it takes up, I think, is it two, two halls? They've now got in the NEC, Ben.
4: Two halls in the NEC, as well as several rooms in the Hilton.
0: Yes, yeah. So the the rooms in the Hilton will be, are for people to go and play games after the NEC shuts its doors at yeah. night. Um, and it is now it attracted quite a lot of the board gaming press. So, uh, the Dice Town Network, uh, Tom Vasso, and all his other podcasts and video reviews and that are now actively going to I think last year was the, the first time that they all uh, sort of arrived en masse and uh, they're all heading there again this year
1: as well. Yeah. Um like shut up, down I believe we've got people there and yeah. think Rado is
0: going. I yes because he's well he's now back based in the UK.
1: Yeah. Which is cool because um rado is a fun youtuber to watch
0: yes so yeah that that's quite cool and there are uh so in the past it was normally you know board game shops and uh websites and things that were they had a booths and they were just basically selling the stuff that they have in the shops it was all under one roof you now have board game publishers arriving there there's loads and loads of them uh, greater than games so that's the guys that do the Sentinels of the Multiverse card game are going to be there Uh, Oink Games uh, one of my favourites and one of Kieran's favourites they're going to be there Um, Mm -hmm. there isn't a lot of new stuff uh, in terms of you know games being released there it's not like Essen it's not at that level yet it's not even at the the level of um origins and gen con and, and things like that from the states yeah but it, it is getting there um
1: at I think least t- you would hope that like companies like oink that have a lot of stuff that doesn't come to the uk at the moment might have a handful of things that yes you know. yeah
0: that you know they are bringing their wares with them um there's a uh, i think big fun games from Korea are going to be there. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a couple of the the Asian companies that normally sell under Japan brand and the TBD, the Taiwanese board game directive are going to be there as well.
3: Wait, wait.
1: Some of the some of the stuff that's usually but Japan brand is going to be there.
0: Yes, I'm not 100% sure which ones. No. But there's not yeah, like a there... list
1: like there is for and
0: No, no. It, that's, it's not Japan. As someone who's I just, never
1: been to Essen, my favorite thing about it is still just like looking at the list of Japanese games that you can never basically never see unless you actually go to Japan. Yes. And, and be like, yeah, yeah. I I want this one about cats playing volleyball. Why not? Yep. That's a game.
0: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I think uh, there's big some big fun and summer TBD and I think there's gonna be some of the Splinter guys that join in as Japan brand will be there, but not Japan brand themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, there's quite a lot happening there and it is becoming sort of a legitimate uh, sort of event now, Mm. you know, Um, I think it's gate was actually uh, the attendees. There was more attendees than there were at Gen Con last year. It's crazy. Yeah. So yeah, look, we're, we're looking forward to that. I think, uh, we've already got a couple of appointments and things set up, Ben, to go and see a couple of people.
4: Yeah, we've got a we've got a calendar that's filling up pretty yes. quickly. Yes, uh, um, we've got. Yeah, I've been getting emails all day today, actually, because our details have been shared by the people that are coming. So, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots so of, lots of interesting information. That, I mean, the, the one thing I noticed last year was there was a lot of. Uh, Kickstarter campaign yes. started yeah. that weekend um from the expo itself so we yeah.
1: I've definitely already seen like a handful of like kickstarters that have recently been up that have been like we're going to be a UK Games Expo if you want to play a demo.
0: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it's um I think we're we'll go and check out some of the some of the kickstarters uh what we th- so, Ben had brought back, you know, a couple of things from Kickstarter from UK Games Expo last year, and he'd seen quite a lot. And I don't know about what you guys have thought, but there's a lot of... <laughs> there still is quite a lot of dross on Kickstarter as well that manages to get, you know, even so far as show up at places like UK Games Expo yeah, and that. So, yeah. um You know, so th- there is a... to see, but... Um, yeah, we're, we're going to attempt to try and see as much as we can. We will be taking recording equipment with us. So we will probably record, you know, a couple of hours of stuff that uh, Paul will then have the, the the great pleasure of cutting into <laughs> one episode or something. Yeah, you know, yeah. a
4: special yeah. episode. Yeah. I'll so, probably look to put some stuff up on, on the website as well over the course of the weekend. You know, last year we did a daily summary on the site. Yeah a few posts afterwards about you know features on specific companies or whatever so Uh yeah we'll definitely be doing that and uh we're roping you into playing some role-playing games
0: yes yes so i was uh what they do is it's similar to the american events as well where they have specific role-playing games and they have them all set up and ben's been quite excited about some of them and it's like, are you coming to come, Are you going to come and play it with us? It's like, I will play it if there's nothing else to do, and I don't mean that, you know, like last resort. And the last thing I'd rather do is play uh, a role playing game. They're not something that I've, I'm very experienced at. But so I'd rather spend the time in Birmingham going around and uh, checking out all the new board games and sort yeah. of that, you know, yeah. that area that I'm more fiv- uh, comfortable with. But you know. At the end of the day, after you know doing all of that, yeah, absolutely. So we're going to go. Uh, I think you've got us signed in for a it's a sci-fi themed game where we're commanders on a spaceship or something, Ben.
4: Um, yeah, we're we're doing we're doing two of them. Um, so I think on the Friday we're we're going to check out uh, Travellers. Yes, which is uh, which is a very old, um sci-fi themed game. And then on the Saturday, we are going to check out the Elite Dangerous RPG. Right. Which, which is one that I've been checking out. Um and I've got a kind of half written review type thing on the on the website. Well, hopefully I'll get that up before we go down to the expo as well. Because we've been playing the the playtest campaign for that. But be good to actually see see it played properly, I guess, by run by someone who knows what they're doing.
0: Yeah. Um, but I, I think what we should do is uh, we should arrange for some sort of meet-up and get everyone to go down. Um, so, Kieran, you need to come. We need to organise yeah, yeah. something for next year, I think.
1: Yeah. yeah, I'd be up for that. Like I've been wanting to go to Essen every year and then just well, never that... managed to afford it, basically. <laughs>
0: well, that's much we more had, doable. Uh, <laughs> with, we had plans, tentative plans, I think, for it was uh, myself and you and nathan and we were going to drag all our significant others with us to to germany for Essen. i think it was meant to be was it this year we were thinking about it or last year and it just it never happened year, yeah, yeah. um so yeah this is this is a bit more ex- um accessible so uh, yeah i think we should still do that yeah definitely cool um have we i don't think we've got much news is there anything anyone wants to quickly mention um, Was the news or kind of run through uh well one that
4: tied in with the theme of at least my games today with the paradox games and going down to the uk games expo paradox announced that they're going to start making board games oh yeah so, I'm hoping that we're going to see the Crusader Kings and the Europa Corsalis board game when we're at the Expo. Uh, they also announced in the future a Hearts of Iron and a City Skylines board game. City so, uh-huh. Skylines so is one I'm interested in, most of the Yeah.
2: Tell me what you think of that Crusader Kings board game because some idiot backed it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nathan, do you want to join the, the <laughs> g- glitch free gaming? like kickstarter uh like kickstarter anonymous club that we have here
0: yes yeah
4: we 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 just need to follow (laughs) each other on kickstarter and then we get the emails about what backed anyway
1: oh yeah (laughs) make fucking uh whatever the latest oh god was the one that you backed like yesterday i got a notification for it five
4: five minute dungeon expansion yeah yes
0: yeah yeah. um Yeah. yeah the Yeah, you can join the club, Nathan, because occasionally what will happen, I'll back one or two occasional... Projects, and then I get emails from or messages from both Ben and Kieran going, Really? Three Kickstarters in a week? Isn't this a bit extreme?
1: <laughs> but then oh, I, I... I back the really bad looking ones so that Mike occasionally gets notifications. It's like, Kieran backed the Burger Time board game, and it's like, oh. Yeah, and then I'll cancel it again after. Some... <laughs> I,
2: I just back board games based on licensing and how tacky they look, so I back that Street Fighter one.
0: Oh God, no! Not you also finished- backed the most
4: expensive yeah. ones. That's the
0: worst right, one. right.
4: <laughs> I mean, that's that's the thing. The Crusader Kings cheap to back.
0: Yeah, so, it's, you could. it's like seventy I, quid, yeah. Yeah, they're it top seems top. to be pricing itself way out of the market. I thought. Also, yeah. the
4: artwork looks bad.
0: Which is fair.
2: They added some new figures to it, like this morning. Yeah how how yeah. bad
0: would how bad would you feel if you've actually backed it though?
2: Yeah, I know. What kind of asshole? <laughs> that? Who knows? I mean, oh, oh, talk I mean, about that, actually, I've got um that Hellboy game coming out. Oh I'm God!
1: <laughs> I actually quite like the look of the Hellboy one.
2: I don't like the look of the price. <laughs> I, <laughs> no, that's the, ba- the, the reason.
0: I I like the the look of it, but it's for what it is. You know, there's so many games that do that now. You know, it's th- these big chunky models and it's square tiles and you move the, the thing around and you go and you pick up this token, you need to use this token to do this, this and this. And it, there is just so many games, that style is becoming quite generic now. To be oh, fair, is that though? what the
2: rule set is? I just backed it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> As you say, to be fair, Nathan doesn't own any of those, so
0: yeah.
2: Like Kieran was, Kieran was always like, always has got all good board games, so I thought he must have spent a lot on board games. I wonder if I could match him by back in free.
3: That's <laughs> it, I was just
2: that, that Street Fighter one. I'm just like, that's basically Yomi with like 150 pounds worth of miniatures. That's how I had to look at cool. it to justify it. Yeah, I but... was like, it is it. The game is Yomi. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Yomi is basically like a it, there's a physical version as well, but it's like it's just a card game where you play as a fire and you you can like counter dodge and attack.
1: Oh wait, that's I've never played it, but is that is that not the same one that for the hundredth episode of this, we got given a big box of stuff from various friends <sighs> of the site. Uh no. And runners of the site. Because it's the yeah. same people that are making the Street Fighter game, so I simply be
0: Yes, yeah, the uh,
1: Jasko, yeah, yeah. We have a bunch of like Soul Calibur and Street Fighter cards. Yes, I think in I think in Yomi it's just like maybe they got branded ones, but it's just like generic
2: fighters. Like um, they got, they just play differently. But it's, it's it's like you you get cards and they're double sided and you can mm-hmm. rotate them to do different things like dodge. Oh, no.
1: no, these attack. ones weren't double sided. I don't think. Uh, no. okay,
2: yeah. But it's, it's it's basically that, and Yomi's 15 so I was like this kickstarter is like 150 so I just just bought loads of miniatures because they're painted and it's nostalgia
1: and I'm still going to cry when it arrives it's a little bit of a stretch to call them miniatures because they're huge
2: yeah large miniatures (laughs) (laughs)
1: largeatures they're toys yeah
2: Yeah. I mean I've got nowhere to put them but you know it's, it's nostalgia yeah. I mean, you like it. We'll probably play in once, and then Mike will be like, "This is the worst thing ever. Why did you back this?" I'd be like, "I like those miniatures, though." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I I saw the I saw that one, and it was, reminded me of the Mega Man one, which they also made.
2: Oh yeah, I heard no. that didn't go well either. Yeah. <laughs> Why
0: not back it? I almost backed that one. I ended up not doing it. Yeah, I think the thing that stopped you from backing that one was the shipping costs. Yeah, it was expensive. <laughs> yeah,
1: I it really—it was the same reason that Nathan backed that Street Fighter one, though. Primarily, though, where I wanted Mega Man toys.
2: Yes. Yeah. I just I it, <laughs> see. I'm such an idiot because it it came with Q, who's like the worst Street Fighter character. I was with. I was just like, he's just he's just like a he looks like the Iron Giant, but. He, trench coat and a trilby and I was like, I need this figurine. It comes in this <laughs> set. Well, might as well get the game alongside it. <laughs> 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 it's pretty good. You know, so it's it's always it's always kind of unsettling where every stretch goal is like a new game mode. So you're just gonna get this like really massive box with all these rule sets for all these games that probably haven't been t- play tested well.
0: No. Totally.
2: Uh, yeah, so that's gonna be that's gonna be good, but yeah, I mean, I'm getting into board games, probably probably that, uh, in the reverse that I should do, you know, like starting heavy or <laughs> in terms of cost, then going light.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be fair, though, like you've played a decent amount of stuff now. Like, it's not like you need to go and be like how most people start and be like, oh, I bought a copy of Pandemic or Munchkin or something, because you've, you've played all that shit. Um, I don't think I've ever played Pandemic. I played Munchkin. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, we, yeah. We didn't play Pandemic, but you've played similar yeah. like, tiers of games, basically.
2: Yeah. We
1: play Thanks for like making me though. feel better. I was going to go to sleep sad. Yeah. <laughs> what I'm saying is you, should, is you should be happy back in that Crusader Kings game that's going to be insanely difficult and complicated because well, you've reached that stage. You played Rising Sun. Well, you you know exactly what's going to happen. I'm just going to bring it in. So I could explain the rules i was born yeah. to lead not to read <laughs> just, <laughs> just take pictures of the rulebook book and send them to mike Probably i think so. the kickstarter actually
2: um has the rule book attached and there's no spelling errors on, like the street Fighter, which is a positive
1: sign yeah that street fair one's like filled with spelling errors which is great
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh man <laughs> it's gonna be good
3: yeah I think I'm in
4: two minds about the Crusader Kings one because it's been... It's Free League Publishing who have mainly done RPGs. So they've not done an actual board game. Okay. But then Crusader Kings 2 really should be role-played. So it might be good. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we get a shot of it next weekend and we'll let you know
2: yeah. yeah
1: that'd be cool
2: i'd also be interested as a as an aside the europe the uh, i can't even say europe Europa universe uh, yeah that's, the one. That one. Yeah. that's yeah. the one i've never actually had to say that out loud before <laughs> <laughs> um i'm interested in seeing if they've actually cut that down because i don't know if you ever played the original one like the original board game of that no no like, games are supposed... Well, like there was a bunch of guys at my unit used to play, and games would last, like, 15 to 20 hours. Wow. So I'm hoping they maybe made it bite-sized, because now it's the board game versus the video game based on the board game. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so you maybe hope there's some dilution there. I'll be, I'll be interested in getting you guys' uh, opinions on that as well, because that game seemed pretty intense. I didn't understand any any of it. From casually walking past to my next lab, but it, it seemed pretty hardcore.
1: I just looked up the original one on uh, Board Game Geek, mm. and the complexity rating, the weight of it, is 4.88 out of 5, which is, I think, the <laughs> highest complexity rating I've seen on Board Game Average <laughs> <laughs> playing time is 3,600 minutes,
4: which is five hours.
3: Yeah
1: average that's crazy <laughs> yeah maybe there's like some oh. kind of short variant
2: <laughs> Or maybe the guys played it was just terrible I, I, I couldn't tell you I was just I'd... some days they wouldn't go to labs. they'd just be playing it all day yeah, no. uh, but that's enough that's enough besides
0: <laughs> cool well I think that's it for that yeah. Um, new releases, this shit coming out. Go and buy it. <laughs> um, I'm, ti- I'm tired. I'm uh, <laughs> tired. So, looking at stuff, it's, uh, let's have a look and see if there's anything interesting. Uh, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary Collection comes out for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch and PC on the 29th of May.
1: I bet people that bought that Street Fighter 2 Ultra version for Switch at launch are super happy about that.
0: Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yoko's Island Express comes out for the three main consoles. That looks quite good. Uh, uh, Let's see what else is interesting...
2: Think Robo thing comes out tomorrow.
0: Yes. Uh, Robo thing. Heavy rain. Oh. Detroit being here. Oh, okay. (laughs) So confused with what you
2: meant.
1: (laughs) I was, I was Uh, searching my brain for the title. (laughs) Oh, Robo thing. (laughs) Heavy rain too. Okay. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. So by, by the time <laughs> the time you're listening to this podcast, yes, uh, robot heavy rain will have um, already come out. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I think we're pretty knackered. The only thing left to do is thank Ben and Nathan for coming on and talking rubbish with us. It's uh, always a pleasure having both of you on. Thank you very much. More than welcome. Yeah, was
4: good.
0: And uh Yes, so we thank uh, our listeners for putting up with our nonsense for over two hundred episodes now and joining hours. us That's every. <laughs> yeah, wow.
3: <laughs> i going say two hundred minutes.
0: <laughs> um, has anyone got anything? Any last thoughts or anything they would like to add?
2: Oh shit! Just got a notification from Amazon. They dispatched Dark Souls. I didn't realize I bought that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, guess I guess I can tell you guys about Dark Souls. I thought you would have bought the Switch version. Yeah, I
2: thought I bought the I better cancel the Switch version, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I
1: thought it would be the Switch version you bought. Yeah, because the Switch version got delayed.
2: Oh, yeah, of course. I, I must have pre-ordered the PS4, well, yeah, I do this every time, um, uh, I, yeah, I've messed up, it's okay, I'll, I'll get it.
0: <laughs> but, well, on that note, I think we will say thank you very much for listening and we will all speak to you again soon. Yeah. Bye. 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 Bye bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.